Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 145, Bashar's highest excitement. And good day to you. Join the team as we discuss a galactic channel being known as Bashar of the Essasani. Insights, experiences and outlines from a crew of those aware of him and his materiel. We thank you. Welcome, all of you. And there is quite a crew. So um, I don't know who wants to speak first. Let's maybe introduce who's even here. Um, and we'll get into like describing where we're from and all that shit in a minute. But I just want to, you know, say your name and maybe, I don't know, where you're coming in from. So we'll go top to bottom. Jean first. Hello. So my name is Jean Guillain Stitel. I come from France. And I have a very uh, academic background. In fact, I did all my uh, awakening, uh, like some sort of scientific study on myself. So uh, I like to be very uh, clear with my definitions. And uh, I started living like Bashar suggests, even before knowing him. So it was really a shock when I discovered uh, all his uh, teachings. Awesome. Thank you. Olawa. Hi, my name is Olu Oyinka. Um My background is a bit mixed, but in relation to Bashar, it was love at first sight. It just made total sense, and it's it's a strange relationship. Sometimes I like to listen, sometimes I don't, but I always come back to it because, to me, it's very true and very, very valid. Thank you. Richard? Uh, hey guys, uh, my name's Richard. I'm Indiana at the moment, and uh, I kind of have the feeling that maybe I'm 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 the guy who knows least about Bashar. So I'm 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 interested in all kinds of things of let's call it consciousness update, highest possible consciousness update you can get. And so at, at some point, I came across some Bashar videos on YouTube when they were still available, and I just like the high by high intelligent vibration of everything that's going on there conceptual uh, conceptually and so yeah that's how i'm coming in uh hello everybody perfect uh, dominic i uh, i can assure you maybe you're not uh, the one who knows the least about bashar because i don't know that much either so my name is dominic uh, I've also got a, quite an academic background and I, it was also love at first sight and I, I really like about Bashar that the, the information he provides is quite um, short and easy to understand and he's, he's not making such a, I don't know, scientific thing about it. It's just easy. That's how it is and it totally makes sense for me. Well, that's what's up. Uh, we'll get way into the rabbit hole on this, um, and even defining our terms of very much about that. So even like, are we talking about just Daryl Anka here, et cetera? But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but the card of the episode, uh, usually we talk about the cards that resonate, and then the major arcana, the uh, one, four, five reduces down to ten, uh, which is the wheel of 
fortune in the Rider Waite, but the Wheel of Life in the David D'Angelo's Starman Tarot deck, which is what I use. It says, I understand there's a time and a season for everything. This is about karmic forces being at work, balancing the light with the dark, understanding nature's cycles, watching time pass, and opening yourself to the unfolding of life around you. Raphael, what would the Galactic Heritage card be for this one? So here we are. How could it be different at number 37? In the normal tarot, 37 is the king of cups. So already, you know, water and fire combined. However, within Lissa Royal Holt's Galactic Heritage cards, 37 is Orion. Again, how could it be any different? Single-minded focus, past timeline. Those who were fighting for freedom within the ancient Orion system had to develop intense focus and discipline that could guide them in life and death struggles. For many, this led to a spiritual mastery that is similar to what we see today in martial arts, masters and monks. You have had this experience in your ancient past and still possess this skill of intense focus. But the question is, on what do you habitually put your focus? This card suggests that you should choose to focus your energy wisely. Choose to remove focus from negative self-talk and use your ability instead for spiritual evolution. Well, how about them apples? Quite resonant, but I'm curious as to which, uh, uh, if any of you guys had any kind of syncs or resonances that you would come off the top of your head with the two cards, kind of the Wheel of Fortune slash Life and or this Orion connection card. So I could keep moderating you guys, but I just say anyone who likes just jump in whenever and if it gets, you know, too crowded, uh, uh, we'll manage. The only thing that comes to my mind about the, the uh, thing about the thoughts is uh, a saying I've once heard that you you should only hire, as you can say it, like put it like that, the thoughts that actually contribute something that you want to experience. Yeah. Uh, for me, for the Orion aspect, it's uh, Bashar was saying about we are playing out the Orion energies. Um, Halloween is around the time of the destruction of Atlantis, which also is linked with Orion. It seems like there's a lot of uh, Orion energies in that sense, so that was very synchronous for me. That's what's up. And I think in some weird way... Um... One of the things that I take away, because it's funny because there's all these permission slips, uh, we can get into that kind of concept at some point, um, with how everything is in the present moment, but all these other timelines, past lives, future lives, etc. I don't really know how to get my head around it ultimately, but I guess my heart understands like there are manifestations of the present moment in other kind of ways. So the whole kind of wheel of time, uh, wheel of life is like, it's, you know, there's good times, there's bad times, there's a riot horse and there's, you know, Pleiadian parties or whatever you want to have, however you want to break that down. But it's all within us in the present moment at this time, which is now, which is now, which is now, which is now. So it's uh, hearing that Orion thing, the single minded focus. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily equate Daryl Anka to a, um, you know, a ninja, let's say, but he's definitely trained his body and mind in such a single-minded way to be able to be a channel for this kind of uh, energy. Uh, I think it was the documentary that Raphael turned me on to of him showing kind of the scientific uh, effects on what his body was able to handle, maybe in terms of hurts or something. I can't remember the exact details right now, but it was. it's not just like, you know, it's it, there's more to it in a uh, in a phenomenological way, a little more evidentiality to what's going on uh, to support that something quote is going on. 
Um, maybe a good place to start, we could go around the table and then we could start talking about whatever you guys prefer. Um, I just want to know how you guys got turned on to, uh, I, well, first of all, to, to define, I know Bashar has been channeled by a few people. Uh, do we want to talk about, you You can talk about anybody. I think there's a guy named Andrew I've heard doing it um, and some other people. But um, most of my exposure, I'll just start with myself, I guess. Raphael turned me on to Bashar uh, as channeled by Daryl Arnka. Um, long story short, a few years ago, probably 2015-ish, uh, I posted a DMT trip report uh, about meeting, you know, Egyptian deities and having a Kundalini activation and weird stuff that I wasn't mentally prepared for, uh, in some group. And he apparently read it and he hit me up and I was tripping on LSD at the time. And I thought he was like some kind of Austrian spy or something, not in a hyper paranoid way, but I was like, who is this guy? What is he? Like, he wants to talk. I don't know. Uh, but we started talking and right away, um, Raphael proved to be a very interesting, uh, character in my comic book. Uh, not only was he doing his own channelings on YouTube, which is what he turned me on to, but he started kind of talking about things in a way that I had never heard before. I've been raised mostly Judeo-Christian. I'm coming from like a middle, upper white class, you know, class white ba American male background kind of thing. Um, dropped out of a few colleges and universities for art history. So academic in a nature, but not pulling the trigger on it. But the point is, Raphael was bringing a bunch of flavors that I had never been exposed to. Uh, and then basically when Jupiter entered Sagittarius about two years ago, um, I was willing at that point to explore the idea of star seeds and channelings a little more. Um, up until that point, I had looked at them essentially as uh, archetypes and projections um, and maybe more Jungian in that sense. Um, but then I was willing, I guess I permitted myself, right, to kind of stretch my envelope. And Raphael was my kind of surrogate in that sense. So whether I was tripping or not, like we would have long conversations. He'd send me, uh, Daryl, uh, channelings, uh, kind of like audios or, you know, turn me onto that documentary I alluded to. I've even read, I guess, one of, uh, Daryl Anka's books. I forget what it was called now. Um, but like blueprint for change, I think. So that was all happening about two years ago and it's been a percolating process and I haven't stayed on the, you know, the nozzle the whole time, but it's coming back more and more. And it seemed appropriate uh, to have an episode where it's getting pretty deep in the, you know, series here, 145. I was like, we haven't talked about this guy. And it's a big ontological framework for Raphael. And it's been nothing but positively impactful for me as, you know, amateurly as I've picked up and played with it. So that's kind of my getting into Daryl Arnka's channeling of Bashar and others. Uh, I'm kind of curious as to, Raphael, yourself included, how you guys turned on to this whole phenomena. Yeah, so I'll just go next and make it simple. We did episode 76, where we went kind of into this. I also published some essays on my website under archive. Anyone interested, you can basically read up on it. Um, I had my own, <clears throat> you know, uh, let's say investigations into all different, you know, sciences, politics, psychology, neurology, blah, 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 spirituality eventually. And then I had some kind of psychedelic experiences and realized, oh my, uh, either I'm completely insane or this all kind of has to be true. And I kept reading books. I decided it got to be even more simple. I started writing essays and right upon starting to write my second essay or in the middle of it, I stumbled across some strange video by him from a festival or something. I didn't really grok it completely. Then I checked out the website and I was like, wow, this is so simple, makes perfect sense with all that I experienced and pieced together out of the spirituality and philosophy I read. And yeah. Couldn't put it any better. 
and highly resonant and yeah also immediately fell in love and then basically watched anything i could ever find uh up to that point which was in about 2013 yeah so uh, if we go around the table next up would be jean so uh, yes as i said before as was um, with my own investigation i was already living like bashar suggests like i was i was really uh, only following my excitement so when he talked about the formula i was just what the fuck and uh, <laughs> so i i had to listen more and what i really love about bashar is that he redefines everything and it's very tricky sometimes because it's not uh, for me, it's almost not English anymore. Like it's just uh, extra extraterrestrial uh, language, and uh, so I really like him because he he ties uh, everything together. Oliver. Yeah, I believe I started with Abraham Hicks, and then I got tired of that, and I needed something more. I needed a bigger fix. And Bashar was then came on, and there was Ilan, and it was, it's just, in my eyes, it's, it's the best. The only issue I had was, uh, it was just too simple. My mind would, couldn't face the facts that the mechanism was that simple. You know, growing up, hardships and that. And even now to this day, I am, I would say I'm 99% there. Just the last 1% is actually putting it into practice. Is that too simple for you, Richard? So uh, I, I was kind of, uh, I think uh, I was coming back from a long, long India trip. And I was kind of, that whole India trip was more focused on the inside. Let's call it awareness training, just pure awareness. And then when I came back, also for people who are interested in numerology, I was in a seven year when I was in India and I came back into an eight year, which was more outwardly focused. So I kind of, I think I was, I was trying to figure out now what to do with all this insight in the outside world. And then I was listening to some Abraham Hicks and Bashar, I think in the, in this uh, uh, section of uh, what you may call all this law of attraction stuff. So, and there, I've, I've heard about channeling before, I think maybe even five, 10 years before, I wasn't too much into spiritual things yet, but I was always interested. I, I think there was some movie and there was Ramta was in there. So that's how I, for, I think for the first time, I saw somebody channeling something and I, it was clear to me because I saw that Ramta, whatever her normal name is, I saw her, how she was in everyday life and then I saw what happened when this Ramta was talking and for me it was obvious oh my god dude <laughs> that's something else entirely and so I was familiar with that kind of concept and then I saw yeah Bashar in this kind of I think I got funneled in through the law of attraction kind of thing uh, yeah something like that like vibration to like vibration Dominic yeah, for me, for me, I also played uh, around with listening to different channels or yeah, different channelers. And first of all, it was like mm, I was a little bit—I wasn't sure if it's real or if it's real. And then I came to the point: 
it doesn't matter if it's real or if it's not real. The point was that the, the, the information that it uh, that he transfers yeah is just clear and I haven't heard it as clear as from Bashar. I mean, there are a few other good channels, but Bashar is really also one of my favorites, I guess. Well, that's an interesting point that it seems like all of us kind of concur with to the degree that, um, and whether you had presuppositions maybe on what channeling is, like coming from a Judeo-Christian kind of background, I was like, when I saw Raphael or heard other people, I was more wary. I was like, is this possession? What is going on? And that is a weird way to put it in some level. Um, but anytime I heard Daryl channeling Bashar, not only did it cause me excitement and interest in terms of a, it's a it's novel, like in a Terrence McKenna kind of sense, it was very novel and cutting edge uh, for my double Gemini mind. I was just like, what is going on? Um, and then also nothing he's ever said has not, uh, there's not like, things I have to turn my mind off to, if that makes sense. It seems all very digestible, simple, like you were saying, um, true, dare I say. I don't hear, uh, even with Buddhism or Christianity or any other kind of ontological frameworks, it tends to have a lot of caveats. It tends to have a lot of, okay, if you believe this, then this, or whatever. Um, and maybe like you have to drink some Kool-Aid. Where And Raphael can attest to this, where it's like I haven't, uh, maybe I've been not, lazy maybe at worst but just like kind of apprehensive about like getting all into it but no matter whenever i turn my attention to daryl and his channeling of bashar as well as others elon like you were saying and stuff like that um and abraham hicks to a degree and other people like but mostly daryl Arnko, that's what we'll be talking about um there's nothing it, it all resonates and it all feels like i'm i'm learning something i already knew almost like uncovering it for myself again uh and there's nothing that like has um in a sense like a logical fallacies or kind of paradoxical past a point of believability or anything like that so Raphael, what how do you want to kind of cut this pie um we can kind of go anywhere i've been listening to stuff lately we could talk about any like i mean Raphael has seen him in the flesh being channeled uh which is kind of interesting i don't know if you guys have if you want to talk about that kind of stuff or um if there's anything that you you know excites you guys right away any like you know the concept of permission slips but Raphael, help me kind of uh herd the cats i guess you could say where do you want to take this? You want to hurt the cats? We got here. I guess it's going to be pretty difficult. But maybe with the right treat. Uh, honestly, I have no uh, particular uh, setup in my mind. I'd ask any of you guys because, uh, I mean, we have varying degrees of awareness of this concept and so on. But I think the basics everyone got. So we basically, this is a free-for-all. We can go into any directions also you guys would be interested in uh talking about maybe especially talking to people who have you know some degree of awareness and experience with these technologies let's say and don't be shy and don't, don't. Um, so um what uh, was coming up for me is because you jim you mentioned that you come from a more religious traditional perhaps christian background and then uh what what struck me also is with this Bashar thing is um, I find it very interesting, just interesting as also perhaps I find an intricate flower or any book on any subject. But if you ask me, um, and this goes probably into, well, more traditional religious terms, 
like prophet or savior. If you ask me, let's say there is an empty space and there is Bashar or Sri Lanka or whoever, and there is Jesus Christ, I'm going to go with Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, but just generally, um, uh, I would say it's just a very, very, it's obviously very intelligent. So way more intelligent than, than anything I've heard somewhere else. And it definitely has the possibility to expand my consciousness and my intelligence since it's coming from a definitely higher source, higher intelligence than my own. But when it comes to thinking about, okay, is this, maybe that's not even a question, but while well, I bring it up, is this the one to follow? It's, um, then I'd say, no, it's just some form of intelligence. So that would maybe could be a topic where we could go down. Like, For sure. Maybe, I, sure. Think I, hear, I think I hear. So my bad. I forgot you didn't have headphones. I was like, why do I hear myself? Um, just for the record, I mean, I've had, like what I just said, DMT experiences and out-of-body experiences and stuff. I happen to have very Judeo-Christian kind of things. But I don't foist that upon other people, whether they want to believe in that or not. Is I don't proselytize. It's like, hey, if that's part of your belief and your permission slip, cool. Um, I think there's energies and harmonics behind it that kind of uh, defy even human mind or temporality or historicity and stuff like that. So it's bigger than the stories we've heard. Uh, and yet, at the same time, these are stories we've inherited through books and cultures and stuff. So as Terrence McKenna might say, culture isn't your friend. Um to that degree, I don't think this is so much of a placement in the sense that like one has to be usurped or anything like that. I think there's a natural evolution, it seems, um, in consciousness and the unfoldment of it, whether it's yugas in Hinduism or you know ages in like uh, astrology, age of Pisces, age of Aquarius. It seems that um, I mean, there the the play is always happening. And then the set design and the costumes and the people's lines might change a little, but the archetypes behind them and driving them seem to be, I mean, this is obviously a presupposition, universal, like almost like uh, the whole kind of, um, there's a film called Zeitgeist, which is kind of offensive to people if they're not open-minded because it's fairly anti-Christian and stuff. But uh, the idea is, you know, the Horus archetype in a lot of the mythology precedes the Christological archetype that doesn't mean to say one is exactly the other and there's this whole transference. It's more complicated than that. But uh, at some level, I do think that this is kind of, um, how do I even put it? Everything I've heard about harmonic convergences from Daryl Arnka to, uh, I haven't heard so much about his recent uh, uh, presuppositions on you know COVID and stuff. I know he's been talking about that. But everything I've heard from like mid-90s to 2012-ish seems to have his thumb on the pulse of what's going on and being able to explain it in a way that um, has not been done in my awareness. Like this is uh, the wisdom doesn't contradict Buddhism or contradict Christianity in that sense. Like it, it kind of fits within it. So it's like gets into belief systems, preferences, fear versus love, right? Excitement and joy, fruits of the spirit, that kind of stuff. Um, it's saying it maybe in a different terminology. And obviously we have kind of a weird game of telephone going on with culture where like I was just thinking actually earlier, it's like, oh, the idea of hell, for example. I don't, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I don't even really believe in hell. I think it's kind of a state of mind, um, which is a preference, obviously. But it's like, why did I ever think that was a thing? Because I was told out of the fears of others and I inherited their projected fears. And, you know, it's like this perpetuation system. Um, and I think Daryl, for better or worse, is a sniffing salt to that kind of thing. So there's probably nuggets of reality, kind of like um, archetypes behind the play, so to speak. But then 
how things get flushed out looks different over time. So I'm not abandoning my faith particularly, but it's it's evolving very dramatically considering the input that I'm getting from Bashar, so to speak. In terms of the savior question and also part of the reason why I'm such a big fan, let's say, is because the core idea is the formula of highest excitement. And what this actually does, it is not having you wait on any exterior force or anything, but it's just asking you to communicate with your very own higher self and then basically, you know, be your own guide, be your own savior. And to me, any philosophy or channel or anything that espouses that view, which from my perspective, obviously, is just, you know, the way it is ultimately, is, you know, positive and amazing. And uh, yeah, I guess the additional uh, wow factor with uh, Bashar, of course, is, as you had mentioned, uh, kind of the speed and the intelligence. And it is also described in the first contact movie by Daryl Anker that what's changing actually is some kind of a baseline frequency, which uh, for Daryl is set at, I believe, nine hertz or something. When he's channeling Bashar, this changes to 10. And when Bashar is listening, it changes to 11. And this is usually a type of frequency measurement that does not change after a certain age. However, here it is demonstrated to change and also they show the different brain regions that are activated, which are again different than what happens with high-level meditators, for example. So I don't know if anybody else had any opinions or any interjections on the idea of like, I guess, modern philosophies and dogmas fitting into the context of his revelations would be a too strong of a word, but just kind of a, re a restating of, uh, you know, perennial kind of issues and maybe we're getting to a point whether it's hopi prophecies or a new jerusalem and christian thinking or bodhisattvas are you know here and among us in a buddhist context or however one wants to put this uh, the better a yuga is shifting um it seems like this information is timely it's appropriate uh it's resonant and it surprises me that more people aren't on to it because there's not a whole lot to it that uh it, it's it's not only very intelligent, but it's it's it uh, it's 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 resonant in a logical way beyond the mind, if that makes sense. Um, for me, because I saw um, I went <clears throat> sorry I had a private session with Daryl. Um, nice. He he only does private face to face. I had to fly to California to see him, but it, I was very lucky because he had a group session anyway. Um, but it was very anticlimactic. Uh, I think it was because uh, Bashar himself said that Bashar is just Daryl's higher self and when we speak to him, he's just happening to our higher selves. So my higher self is just telling me, like, you know this stuff, get on with it. Um, but in relation to, like, dogmas, religions and that, um, we can't forget that what Jane Roberts was kind of the first recorded channeler um, and still... It, not many people in the channeling community know about her and Ra. Um, but before that, I mean, people have been channeling probably since the beginning of existence. And it's just, we have the fortune of the internet. So we're in a very, very, very fortunate time to have access to these things and to be able to share like over these kind of uh, programs, our ideas, because back in the day, um, we probably would have been chastised or killed. Um, 
But for me, um, it, I just find it funny when people say Jesus because the letter J was invented in the 16th century. So I just have to laugh. Jehovah begins with an I. So, to quote, you know, Jones the Last Crusade, sorry. No, no, it's just, there's, it's, I love Bashar because he's very tactical what he says because he spoke about Corona and someone was asking him, but what about Bill Gates and the vaccines? And Bashar just brought the conversation back to, it's not really about that. It's about your relationship to the earth in the ecosystem and the fact that you, you're basically destroying the ecosystem, which is, we're basically, we don't have respect for ourselves and our own health and, and the relationship to the earth. So I'm pretty much on that wavelength now. I'm stepping away from conspiracy theories. I'm stepping away from anything that hasn't to do with bringing the focus back onto one's own responsibilities in one's personal life and to the external world. Well put. And it's funny because uh, with the, I mean, I probably heard 30 sessions or something like that, 20 or 30 sessions of Daryl. And it is funny in the sense that one, when you hear people asking questions, you can hear their kind of not only baggage, but personalities, their expectations and stuff. And he does have a very disarming, almost anticlimactic uh, kind of approach in that it's it, like you're saying, it's stuff they already know and they have to work out the kinks themselves through him in that sense. It's like high, high level of mirroring. In that way, he's not telling us anything we don't know already inherently or, you know, does that make sense? It's like it's all there and readily available, but we've chosen to for maybe the lessons, you know, that's kind of one of the things he's always saying. It's like, thanks for allowing us to be lessons within through you or I don't know how he says it exactly, but it's like this is a learning process and we're learning through each other. So it's not like he has this golden burning nugget that people don't have access to unless it's through him. Like you're saying, I think he's tapping into a frequency and a level of consciousness that we're all a part of inherently. Um, and we've kind of fractaled down to our individual selves as we witness them in the 3D as, as we are. Um, and there's, that's what Buddha means awake, right? We're a reawakening to these things that we knew. And, and it's not even bad. It's like, I mean, in a weird way, whether it's coronavirus or, you know, all the conspiratorial stuff, or even just the fact that, like you said, a few hundred years ago, we might have been killed for that. I guess we preferred that simulation kind of moment or however one wants to put it so we're starting to wake up to um sovereignty and truth in a new way it's been tricky with postmodernism. it's been tricky with, with, with everything but like these are all lessons the fractal had to kind of bifurcate into to understand it as itself um so i've never looked at him as a savior particularly more just like um a really good psychoanalyst or something like that like a higher self psychoanalyst they're like look i'm gonna sh we're gonna talk about what you want to talk about so let's talk about anything like n there's no off limits right he's not like don't mention politics or don't mention this you can make it mundane things like why did i see this alien when i was eight years old what does that mean or you know big existential questions he'll kind of address them all and i think the answers that we seek are within us but they're being reflected through a carrier or an, um, you know, a, a channel, obviously, um, and that is maybe it can be both amazing and profound and mind-numbing, but also it can be very mundane and practical and easy to digest. So it's not all just fireworks um, in that sense. I don't think it's just even a cult of personality. As interesting as the uh, and humorous as this uh, channeled entity can be, I don't think that's the only reason people go and check it out. I think he he's saying things they need to hear, quote unquote. Um, and they're uh, permitting themselves to hear and experience those lessons through that avenue of discourse slash experience slash phenomenology. 
Um, but I'm kind of rambling. So, Raphael, you've seen him, I think, but you didn't get a reading. Uh, well, let's talk about that for a minute. So, um, we've got one person who's actually gotten a you know one on one. And actually, before we kind of hop around, tell us if, as much or as little as you want about that. You said it was a little anticlimactic, but like, um, welcome to America. I guess California is a little jaded and weird. Hopefully, the trip was fun. Um, but what was kind of in your mind? Did you get the answers you were seeking? Do you feel like it clarified things? Did you walk away with more questions? How did that whole process go for yourself? Well, it was funny because when I went there, um, I was drinking the water at the tap. And in, in England, you just do that naturally. And then after about three days, I was like feeling absolutely destroyed. And I was saying to like some of the Bashar guys, like, is this Bashar's energy or what, what's going on? I don't know. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's Bashar's energy. And then I was thinking, whoa, whoa, this can't be Bashar's energy because I feel like absolute crap. And I Googled California water and they said, do not drink it. It's the worst. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I ordered Party like fell. 10, <laughs> I ordered like 10 liters of just mineral water. And after like two days of just drinking that, I was back to normal. Um, so going back to Bashar, uh, it was, I pulled up to his house. It was a small, quaint house, um, Woodland Hills, very green, very earthy colors. Um, Daryl opened the door. You know, I was, I was all excited and that, sat down in his living room. He sat across from me, um, got into state. Bashar came in. Um, I had, I was thinking like, I'm going to spend like an hour with this guy. This is like the dream come true. And then after 20 minutes, I was done because it, it just hit me hard. Bashar was just like, you, you know this, you get this. Like, what more do you want? What more do you need? And because my focus was... It was it chastising in that sense or just like rather just curt? It was weird because I, th- I feel it was a bit of, I don't want to say chastising, but it felt like that. He can be snarky. I mean, I'll be real. Like, he can be like, you already know this, uh, you know, kind of stuffs to people in, in the uh, Q&As. So I imagine it was along those flavors. Not to interrupt you, sorry. Well, it's an, along the lines just briefly of why are you still hanging around the Olympus bar when you could already be on top of the mountain, you know, to stress the holy mountain Jodorowsky analogy. It was, I want to describe the way he said it. It was, he he would shake his head like, come on. But not in a supportive and friendly way, but in a like, you, in a, it's like, it's like in a very quite like, fuck are you on about? Like, come on, you know this. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Yeah, he's, he, you're right, Bashar. I do know this. And it was basically my focus wasn't, I didn't need this on like the universe or that. Or my focus was, how do I understand how to just create reality? How do I understand to create reality? And it was what I already knew. It's, it's it's basically lucid dreaming. That's that's the key. And he confirmed that with me. He said, yeah, well, that's what we did. We woke up in the dream and we never went back to sleep or we never did that thing. So they're just lucid. And that's the whole point. I mean, if anyone has had a lucid dream, they know you're God in your own right. And that's since then, I've just been, that's been my new focus, lucid dreaming, but also doing the mechanism and with zero expectation and the zero expectation aspect of it that is the challenge for me that is the challenge i think that's a human challenge so don't feel too bad i mean that seems to be the biggest hurdle we're between culture and personal expectations the ego monkey mind tell you know 
dealing with temporality um, in, a, in a teleological kind of fashion to the degree where we we create expectations. Uh, I don't even think it's bad per se, but it has consequences necessarily, right? So it's like we permit ourselves to experience that. But like you were saying, um, and it's a weird mindfuck because it's so simple, but it's like we are like there's no difference between like when we say dream and you know the samsara of life and all this stuff that's kind of what it is and we're resonating to greater or lesser degrees of awareness within the dream of consciousness the one dream um i don't know if you've seen the movie waking life uh by richard linklater um very interesting film um both aesthetically in terms of art direction and stuff they used a uh, type of artwork they had celluloid like a normal film and then they had animators of uh, various animators animate on top of it so it has this very mushroom trip kind of vibe to it and interesting all it is is like little vignettes inside a dream um, world where people are asking philosophical questions and exploring reality through nihilism or all sorts of stuff um, very profound I highly suggest it to you guys one of my favorite movies but uh, yeah it's funny basically it's it's almost like um you know, when you know, you know, and then just to be nudged into the knowing uh, sometimes takes uh, – because I don't want to say it in a bad way. It sounds it sounds like your ego had expectations, and you, they, that bubble had to be popped in such a way because behind the expectations was the reality that it was what it was – you know, it was all good, so to speak. Yeah, just to finish off on that 100%, I, I really feel – I'd say in hindsight because at the time my heart was like being destroyed. <laughs> but then he – that they, I feel he he didn't want the idealization of it. He, I think he, have, I know he wanted me to just take my power back and not give it like I was doing, like saying, "Oh, you're the savior. You're the key to my. You're, you're, you're." It's like, no, dude, get it. You know it. Go now. Live Act it. like you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Act like you know. And it's funny because I personally have been dealing with this team rabbit hole. I mean, it started with a hashtag. I, I used to grow cannabis and do a lot of psychedelics, and I made a hashtag team rabbit hole. It became a meme page. Now it's a podcast. Um, but I've done that, and I'm not judging anybody, and everybody's got permission slips or whatever. But I think I did the disempowering thing with psychedelics, where I was like, oh, there's levels of reality, whether it's Kundalini activations with, you know, DMT beings or whatever. I can't do that without these things, right? And I had to get to a point, I'm still in the process of doing that, where it's like these things are always present and I have to res resonate and act like I know that they're really there independently of chemical kind of um, injunctions or whatever. Not to say those are better or good, they're kind of neutral. Daryl's always saying that, you know, or Bashar is always saying that. It's like these things are all neutral. Everything's neutral. It's how you're approaching it with what baggage you've got, how aware are you of the tool you're handling. Because, you know, a knife can open up a letter, a knife can stab you in the hand. Right or, or any, any number of things. It's not so much the tool; it's the tool wielder. Um, but I do appreciate that you went because uh, that's not necessarily on the bucket list to do. But I would love to see um, a session or something on that lines because I think I think there's something probably more in the air, so to speak. Not to hyper romanticize it, but I imagine being there with people who are on that wave, asking questions, kind of in the moment. The, here's the mind fuck. The paradox is like it's always accessible. Anybody you can do this with. I think even at the beginning of one of the um, seven steps of manifestation or something like that uh, thing, he's like everybody channels all the time. When you're in joy and in flow, that's kind of what channeling is. And then there's varying degrees of it. So what he's doing is bringing him high excitement and all this kind of jazz. Um, so we don't have to go to necessarily to L.A. and get a private session. We could probably do it with our fucking dog on a walk or you know, sitting cross-legged, listening to a good album and just letting your mind go or what any number of things. Um, but 
it is beautiful and fascinating as a sociological kind of way, a psychological way, how these groups coalesce, uh, coalesce around events and what the energy there might be, just like the alchemy in a sense, like all of us being here right now are bringing our own resonances and our own kind of uh, constituent parts to create a new alchemy of, of the moment. It was always there, but us being here now and being conscious and aware in the moment of this moment, you, you guys see what I'm saying. I'm kind of rambling, but um, all right. So who else has, or uh, if anybody besides, uh, and Raphael, I know you have, um, have ever seen Daryl doing his thing, channeling Bashar or gotten a session. Well, Jean, I think Richard and Dominic haven't. So, Jean, you could be the one if you are. Uh, no, I never. But, like, I was in Los Angeles in 2007, but I was so not on the vibe. I wasn't uh, even aware he existed. So it's really weird to know that he existed uh, when I was there. Yeah, I agree. I've also been there around that area, or California, at least one time when I didn't know. And then the second time I went to America, even made a huge trip kind of because of Bashar and because I myself had started conscious channeling. So all I can say is acting on your highest excitement really works. I would kind of agree that when I attended the session, I mean, of course, you know, nice people, really interesting, uh, you know, made some connections and just, you know, fun experience to see it and uh, kind of fulfill the mission of that journey. Part of it, there was much more later on. But also a few months prior to that, in a slightly altered state, I actually was, you know, like, whatever, how you want to say it, communicating with myself or with Bashar or whatever. And I said, okay, well, you know, I've seen all of these transmissions. I know I'm going to be there live in a month or two. Um, however, by now I'm well aware that I can answer all questions by myself or they will be revealed, you know, in perfect, perfect synchronicity. So what is there to ask? And then the answer I received, uh, which also is resonating, he's mentioning this in some of the transmissions. The answer was, well, if you do not have a question, maybe it's time to start making statements. And I found that to be a quite appropriate comment. Wait, so you, that's what came to you in your own mind's eye kind of thing? Or did you actually ask a Q&A question with, to that effect? No, that came to me like a month before I even was there. And then when gotcha, I was gotcha, there, gotcha. I was sitting next to the individuals asking questions kind of on the sidelines so i was kind of let's say in the field or whatever and it was cool i mean especially because it was exactly on my 26th birthday which is my you know resonator number and uh, it was the session the first one of shards of a shattered mirror where he uh, first read from his book actually so and you know the whole theme and so on highly synchronistic so it was great you know going there for sure but also I could say like, you know, there wasn't any particular specific new information I could only have gotten through that method because anyhow, as Oliver explained, may seem kind of anticlimactic even when I do conscious channeling for someone. And it's always kind of fun to me because I'm aware of doing it. And I can, of course, tell, oh, what individuals may be grabbing for or holding on to or something. And like you say, it's kind of a Socratic method, disarmament process, you know, like spinning minds around in a sense until they realize again that they just you know need to follow their highest excitement right it is so simple so um i want to kind of get into shards uh shattered mirror shards or whatever that book's called i haven't read it but you've talked about it before willa stuff like that but maybe a good starting point and you know manifestation kind of seven bullet points any number of things that you guys find 
resonant, meaningful, whatever. Because obviously for a long time I was talking about 2012. We're past that now, but I think whether you're a McKenna fan um, with his kind of time wave zero and uh, Mayan apocalypse kind of situation or Bashar talking about it in a very specific way, it's obvious we're in very different waters than we were in. <laughs> like I'm sure, you know, the 80s and the 60s and everything were interesting in their own novel ways, like the Beatles, wow. But at this point it's like it's so much more weird than I think anybody could imagine. Uh, and that's why it's being, you know, playing out that way. Um, but Raphael, I'm kind of curious and anybody, obviously, um, the floor is open. What is the equation or quote the formula and how have you been applying it? What have you found to be the biggest hurdle? Like you were saying, no expectations. I think that's the final kind of point in the equation. And that tends to be the thing that people fuck up on the most. Right. So whether it's Jesus saying, love your enemy, um, people are like, but I hate my enemy. And what about, you know, you know, whether it's Barabbas saying, well, Rome did all this crazy shit. Let's all fuck them up or, you know, zealotry or uh, Buddhism in that sense where it's like, you know, hold on loosely to even expectations. Uh, let's discuss maybe the formula, quote unquote, and some of the uh, benefits of applying it, maybe some of the hurdles of applying it, etc. So I'll open the floor in a second just to be perfectly clear. This will also be linked in the description, the official, let's say, formula by Bashar as posted on their website. So it's a three-part formula. I'm not going to read the details, just the main points of the three parts. So number one, take action on the opportunity that contains the highest excitement. Step two, act on that excitement to the best of your ability. Step three, Act on that excitement with absolutely zero insistence or assumption with respect to a specific outcome. Acting on this three-part formula with integrity aligns you with the complete toolkit of excitement. Well, there it is. There it is. So anything you'd like to comment, John, Olawa, Richard, Dominic? For me, it's often quite not not that easy to define what is the most exciting thing because there are a lot of exciting stuff to to, to do and to I don't know to to read to watch to I don't know sports or I don't know so that's for me often quite difficult if you can put it like that. Right, it can right. be kind of all encompassing in that to that degree. So it's a matter of like what. Do you want to be actionable on? And, and, and there's a fractal kind of what that could look like artistic stuff, social stuff, like personal development. And they're all kind of interlinked in terms of a, a flower of life where they might be different spheres, but they're all connected because you are participating in them at some level as a witness. Um, so the floor is open, though. Richard. Richard. So uh, I think there is a, for me, there are several things um, that go along that highest excitement following or the hurdles to it so for example i sometimes uh, realize that i might still have some old patterns that hold me back from actually following my highest excitement that that strongly say well i'm supposed to do something else because i have to be responsible or i can't just go on in a fun way following my highest excitement because i have to i don't know have to work or do something that's a little bit involves a little bit more struggle because perhaps that's how I grew up in Austria or something like hard work or struggling. And then, uh, so that is one thing that I see myself being still attached to some things that are just 
like kind of strongly programmed there that is not the highest excitement, but still I'm choosing it because it's like habitual. So that's uh, that's one thing. And then I also see another thing that actually is kind of a pre-training to actually be able to do it or to be able to do it in a more perfect way is, is somewhat the timelessness or actually being anchored in the now because the highest excitement constantly presents itself anew. So if I'm following a highest excitement and I've done it, maybe it's two hours or maybe it was two months, but then there's the next one and I have to get out of th that one that, that has now exhausted itself, seeing the next highest excitement and jump on that train like immediately, not being attached to the thing that I've just experienced that maybe was very pleasant. So there's also this complete non-attachment to past thing or that which already happened, And then, uh, like coming into the now again and just jumping on the next train, I find that, for example, that, that two things that are challenging. Well put. And what kind of reminds me of, like I was alluding to earlier, I've done a lot of psychedelics and cannabis and stuff like that for most of my life. I'm actually in a sober point right now for the past little bit, not too long, a couple of weeks, months kind of thing. But, um, getting to a place where we don't attach to what we define as the excitement, though it might have been at one point. Um, being open-hearted and open-minded enough to be discerning enough to see when the tracks switch, when we should, quote, get off the train. Um, in a weird way, it's all good, but I think um, there's kind of – it's like surfing, which I've never done, but I imagine it's like you can be out in front of the wave and being be getting pushed by the wave of energy, the excitement being that energy, or um, – you can kind of sit there and miss the waves and you're still in the water, so to speak. So I, I think like, for example, if I was to just constantly smoke cannabis because I, I love it so much and all this jazz, um, I might be missing. And this is where it gets big and weird where it's like, maybe that's the lesson I'm learning. But like you're saying, the distortions, the baggage, the kind of uh, clinging to, pre to presuppositions and frameworks um, where it's like, this is fun. This will always be fun. I will never see it any other way. Uh, that can become a hurdle, like you're saying, right? Uh, where we might miss the the train connection, if that makes sense, to a new and different place, um, just because we're attached to our idea of what it is. And there's a there's I don't know if he gets into it much, but this kind of gets into Buddhism a little, where it's like there's a um, and in the Bible it talks about the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. I think our spirit is going for the highest excitement, and then our flesh, our monkey mind, our ego, and our habits of the body, essentially, because this isn't about denying pleasure. Um, sometimes that is the highest excitement, sometimes it isn't. But just to think that you know, eating all you want, drinking all you want, and smoking all you want is the highest excitement. That's a prescription that the world has given us, or cultures, countercultures, whatever, have given us. Um, that we may that may or may not ultimately ring true forever, if that makes sense. So having the humility in that sense to um, be able to hold on loosely, and when something has kind of lost its fur, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened, and move on to the next place. Uh, just like the wheel of fortune, you know, that's the card of this episode. Sometimes it's summer, sometimes it's winter. There's beauty in both. They both serve a purpose. Like you know, it can't always be summer. Like there needs uh, in this dualistic kind of reality think, dream we're in, it seems there's process through polarity. Um, I'm kind of rambling, but I do appreciate what you're saying in that uh, the hardest part is to be honest with ourselves beyond just comfortability. Because highest excitement, I don't think means easiest necessarily, but I know Raphael's talked about the past of least resistance. Um, we tend to resist things, uh, you know, changes in the wheel of karma and the wheel of time just because – we think we don't prefer them, but maybe we don't understand the ultimate uh, outcomes of these changes. So, for example, fasting for 40 days might be a very ratchet thing to do, 
and it might not be preferable for your stomach and it might gurgle and you might be like, you know, dream of pizza and all this kind of shit, vegan pizza in my case. Um, but at the end of the day, that might lead you to some crazy apotheosis, like, you know, Moses or Jesus in the desert style that wouldn't have happened otherwise, if that makes any sense. Makes sense. No, I, I agree. Like you guys have basically said, give my answers. I just wanted to add. Um, Always. Um, I'm lost, but that's the, that's the beauty of it. Sorry. Uh, Jim, could you finish what you said the last bit and then I'll jump on it? Oh, I ramble a lot. So I have no clue where I was in the water rapids, but something to the effect of like, we can build up little golden calves in our mind and say, this is it. This is it. And it's like when we start attaching meaning to the one thing and say, this is it, whether it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, um, you know, a spiritual experience, whatever, certain things, we can put horse blinders on ourselves and not look around at the fact that everything is it. And sometimes certain resonances are going to have different meanings. So for example, like the wisdom of winter is not the wisdom of summer, right? Or the wisdom of sobriety is not the wisdom of hedonism, but they both have their place. And if we're open and holding on loosely enough to the horse reins of reality or whatever, we could see where, where the winds need to take us as opposed to trying to force our will in a kind of negative polarized ego sense or whatever um, on the situation. Um, I think I hear a lot of Daryl's channelings where people are like, I really want to do this. And he's like, why aren't you doing it? Right. And like, that would be a good example. It's like, stubbornness laziness fear like those would be kind of some things that maybe tend to make us stay at one temple of attention or worshiping a golden calf of behavior or whatever um for a longer period of time than necessary and we just don't know how to comfortably move through it which is all good it's just like a birthing process you know you can't expect a nine month in utero baby to run a mot you know a kilometer or something but so it's all good but it's there's stages to it that's kind of what i was saying Yes, thank you. Um, and feel free to ramble. Like it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just recently just ate like a lot of cannabis, and I was out for two days. Um, and the stuff that comes through the 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 downloads, the clearing, it really makes me appreciate when I take cannabis, but at the same time. I was out for two days. I missed my flight back to England. I had to reschedule. Um, and it's where I'm at now is one, I don't want the substances anymore, not because I don't value them or anything, but I know that if I sit in a dark room long enough, my penal gland will produce its own DMT and I will be able to transition into any kind of new dimension. Um, if I focus on lucid dreaming training long enough, I can do the same thing. I have the power within me. And it's like, like you said, when people go up to Bashar and say, you know, I want to move to Seattle. And he's like, well, go then. And they're like, but, but I, I, I need to do this. And it's like, no. And I feel the world around us is a world of need. Houses, windows, cars, uh, even down to pens, nail clippers. You know, you look at the tribes, and you look at what they say is modern, but it's not really modern. It's 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 a distortion of the most natural of nat natural things one can do. I mean, even clothes is not natural. You know, we're not born with clothes. Um, we have the gift of foresight, insight, and all these kind of sights. But 
I really strongly believe that we are going, that's why in a sense, I feel it's kind of what's happened this 2020 is we're going to start reverting back to a more natural, tribal, natural um, way of life. And even when I hear Bashar say about the UFOs, they're not technological. They are consciousness. It is basically consciousness. And one thing I love about Elon is he always says, all truths are true. And if one understands that simple truth, that all truths are true, nothing, there is nothing bad. <laughs> there is, because that's a truth, but it's a choice. We can choose for that to be true, we can choose for just to have the good things. And I'm at the point now where I just want the good things. The only challenge I'm having is, I know from my perspective, I have to create that relationship with my higher aspect because I strongly feel like I have 99% of control, whereas my higher aspect has the 100% of control. Because I tell you what, if I had 100% of control, there'd be cocaine, there'd be hookers, there'd be everything in this house right now, but there isn't. That's just me. Well, props on the uh, reforming. Um, as a, I mean, I've been a hedonist. I lost my virginity to a stripper, so I totally get it. Um, but the idea, very Oscar Wilde kind of moment there in Hawaii. But um, the idea, I think, is in some way um, we're always being provided lessons and we can choose to rise to the occasion or not. And even within the failure, quote unquote, or success of rising – it's all good, like you're saying. So it's a matter of what we what, what do we what prefer to experience. So some people, and it, it gets into astrology charts a little and all sorts of things. That's why I'm into astrology. Um, and Gene Keys, um, Richard Rudd is actually coming on the podcast at some point. He's the designer of that. Um, we've got a situation where you have proclivities, whether they're DNA and all the you know culture, all these things, and you permitted yourself to be incarnated in a place where these are dynamics in which you will experience things. And then it's how much are you being led by these dynamics and how much are you um, on top of them? And there's kind of a balance, like you're saying. Um, and it sounds like, you know, the it's one thing for someone to say, hey, don't put your hand in the fire, it'll burn you. Like that's like hearsay in a sense. And there might be wisdom in it or truth or not truth or whatever. That's not the point. But until you decide to go through the fire yourself of initiation of experience, uh, you, you won't know it for yourself. Like that's the whole epistemological, like how do I know anything? It's like through experience. Um, and... It sounds like, I mean, I can very much sympathize with you. Uh, I haven't done cannabis pop food recently, but it sounds like you had a lesson, you know, and like you've learned what you actually would prefer versus what your maybe like attachments were letting you know. And it's all good either way. Like you could sit around being Cheech and Chung all day and that's fine. That's what you prefer, right? Um, but it sounds like at some point your preferences are changing given the, you know, the data on the field, so to speak, um, and having the humility and wherewithal and looseness of grip to be able to not cling to any one method, right? Uh, whether it's holotropic breathing, which is like you're saying, or, DM, you know, sitting in the dark, like that's definitely a method. Uh, and in fact, like an ancient one, in a sense, um, kind of the you know, guru off in the yogi in the mountains kind of cave thing, like that's a method that works. We tend to live in a consumeristic um, pleasure-oriented, sensatorial, let's do whatever we want, postmodern kind of post-existentialism thing culture in the West, um, largely where it's like we figure that we can do anything we want with no consequences. And I think something that I've noticed um, both in your like uh, aside there, your story, but also in some of the channelings, it's like there are consequences to what we do, but we have to be 
open-minded and hard enough to understand that we're allowing these lessons to to move through us for our benefit and the benefit of others, right? So it's like, I mean, an example that's always used and stuff is like Adolf Hitler, right? It's like, that stuff's not a good look, and we learned a lot through that. And um, in some weird abstract way, I guess everybody participating in those kind of karmic dealings chose to be in that time space to deal with those karmic dealings and behave the way they did on the receiving and the giving end of kind of that brutal moment in history. Um, but the point is we have a point of reference to learn from, uh, and there could be externalized schools of reality, like where we look out and see the lesson outside of us and say, well, shit, that person's puking all over themselves and they can't walk straight. And I don't know if I prefer that. So I don't want to do that like through emulation kind of tactics. And then there's things, like I said, where it's like, um, you know, you're not going to know that, you know, eating 10 hits of acid is a bad idea for you until you do it or something. I've never done that, but, um, there's playing with fire and getting burned. And that is essentially the game we're playing. We're playing with many levels and flavors of fire and we're learning what we prefer to play with or not. Um, and it's all one fire dream in that sense. So I'm rambling. I tend to do this. Sorry guys. Uh, anybody could say anything they want now. Raphael's paging. Well, as, uh, William Blake says, uh, the road of excess leads to the palace of wisdom. For how do we know how much is enough until we have had too much? That is the truth. Um, I don't know if we want to take a quick music break and come back, or if, if anybody had anything pressing on their minds um, topicologically, because there's all sorts of directions we could go with this, and I am more interested in listening than talking. It doesn't seem that way, uh, but I am curious as to y'all's perspectives on things. Uh, and if I'm speaking too quickly for non-native English speakers, let me know. But um, I think if we're going to go for a music break really quick, you guys can get a cup of tea, go to the bathroom, whatever, collect your thoughts, maybe write down some ideas that you want to talk about, if any come to mind. We are back for Team Rebuttal Edition 145. Well, before I get into my favorites, of which I have plenty, I'd like to ask any of you guys if there's anything in particular you would like to discuss or ask about or share with us uh i would uh, unless someone's go first i would love to we're all so humble here you guys pretend it's a snickers bar and you've been not, not eating for like a year go for it uh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm about yeah. to say like you know this is the bashar episode everyone here not only so learned but also so stoic and so calm which is nice but you know you can all you know Blurt out whatever you like, but please, Oliwa, go ahead. So I did ayahuasca in 2010, first time. Uh, my grand died, and I wanted answers that no one could give me. So I went to an ayahuasca ceremony, which was funny because it was I learned about it at a lucid dreaming training camp. Um, and I had the most profound experience. I went to God's school. It was the craziest thing. I would like to add, though, leading up to it, I did do like a two-month uh, fast and it was just the basically just cabbage and cashews was all I had to eat um, and it paid off I believe because when I drank the ayahuasca my cells were empty and my whole body just absorbed the DMT and I was gone uh, went to God school learned about being gods and so many other things um, became a bit preachy at the end which I nipped in the bud later on and I, I'm calming down now when I have new experiences which excite me 
I don't try to preach to anyone and say, hey, here, this is the new way. I just keep it to myself now. Um, but it just, it made me realize there's way more than what meets the eye. And the good thing is I recently in 2017 then had a near-death experience where I died. 10 minutes was speaking to my higher aspect and it was really cool because my higher aspect said, you know, you're dead. And I was like, what do you mean? Am I, um, I'm dead. And he said, yeah, you're dead. And I was like, well, how did I die? Because I forgot at the time. It's kind of like salvia divinorum. You forget once you've taken it. Um, and it, it said, well, do you want a second chance? And I was like, do I get one? And he said, yeah, everyone gets a second chance. And I said, well, okay, um, let me, let me deliberate. And he was like, okay. And then after 10 minutes of deliberation, because of rent and taxes, uh, he condensed that 10 minutes down into one second of flashes, and then boom, I was I woke up. Paralyzed from the neck down, of course, but I worked my way back up to walking. Um, so that's a lot of belief training. But what I'm getting at is, I now realize, because I have not only from a psychedelic point of view, I have from an actual near-death point of view two confirmations that we get to choose when we die. I say we, I can only speak for myself, so I get to choose when I die. I know there's more to life than meets the eye. Um, and everything, all this coming together, everything I'm, I'm starting to realize, the whole point of this journey is, as Bashar has said, Physical reality, 3D reality, is steered through action, physical action. Once we get to like five-dimensional reality, then thought really becomes that. But the challenge we have is a lot of us don't have our thoughts in control. So we can imagine going to 5D, well, sorry, I can imagine going to 5D now with the uncontrolled thoughts I have. It would just be chaos. So I feel like the whole point of this experience is to um, gain that discipline for, from the mental into the physical and then slowly transition from the physical back into the mental, but with that discipline that we've gained. And that's where I feel it's I'm not lucid yet because I haven't really implemented the discipline of living a physical life following the mechanism, following the integrity and following all that, because it's very true what he says, what you put out is what you get back. And I've looked at the very fine, subtle um, instances of, okay, why is my life the way it is? Well, there's a good explanation because you believe it is, you know, why haven't I taken the risks? Cause I don't believe I can. Well, why haven't I have a relationship? Because again, the beliefs around it and, I, that's why I enjoyed cannabis because cannabis would heighten my internal dialogue, and but then, yeah, it, it become it became a bit too much, so I'm stopping that. But what I'm getting at is it's 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 very 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 easy once you understand it. Right, and like you were kind of saying, I mean, and it's not to poo poo anything you've just said or Bashar. It's like these are perennial issues like where it's like you get what you give like that's not new nothing's new under the sun in that sense it's like these are tried and true 
truths, but we're putting them on, uh, we're trying on these kind of philosophies, so to speak, in this now moment, which is very different than any other moment that's ever existed in that kind of illusory sense. Um, I'd love to know your charts, all y'all's charts. I hadn't, I thought to ask beforehand just to see if there's any commonalities or uh, anything. Um, but the idea is that, and I think I just heard this because I was starting to listen to the one about um, permission slips um, from I don't know when, but it's not a little more recent, um, probably the 2000s. And uh, something to the effect of like all of physical reality as we know it is an externalization of our own processes. But it's not exactly, it's not that reality reflects us. It is us, right? Like it is all us. So it's like there's elements of yourself that maybe you'll, that you don't need to deal with in this now moment. Um, whether it's, you know, like for example, I'm dealing with hedonism, substance abuse typically because for various reasons, I don't even have to get into it. But the point is, um, that, that algorithm or that, um, frequency is always going to exist. It's a matter of how much attention do I put to it? How much do I believe it's a part of my reality? What are my beliefs inherent with that? Kind of like what you're saying. So it seems like you had a period of time when you were more believing that psychedelics were more of a, a gateway to answers. And now you're like, I can do these things instead of that. Like that wouldn't, you wouldn't have come to that conclusion having not experimented in that sense. So, uh, it's always good to kind of level up, but even the leveling up is an illusion in that sense that we like permit ourselves the ability to do. It kind of reminds me of uh, Harry Potter at the very end, spoiler alert, um, a mini spoiler alert, like when he uh, has his issue with Voldemort and then, um, finds himself in the white room, kind of like the matrix loading kind of program area. Uh, and, and Dumbledore's, he's like, is this is in my head? And Dumbledore's like, what's not in your fucking head? Basically, it's like everything is us. Um, and we just have to, that's why loving your enemies is a really good idea. It's not just social contract good. Uh, it like serves those levels too, but it's like you're hurting yourself or you're blessing yourself whenever you bless or curse others or yourself. Um, and it's just this weird feedback or moral loop. It's, it's this weird trip, but it, like you're saying, it is, it's a lot simpler than we'd like to think. Two kind of philosophies that I stick uh, myself between in as a double Gemini, not surprised. The paradoxes that I live, I'm a juxtaposed between in are on one hand, uh, there's a Pink Floyd line from Darks of the Moon, which says, all you touch and all you see is all your life will ever be. So there's this very real phenomenological existential angle where it's like, all I know is all I know, uh, quote unquote. And then the other kind of yang to that, you know, yin would be, there's uh, Neil Young um, from Hey, Hey, My, My. It's like, there's more to the picture than meets the eye. So having the humility to know there's more perspectives than my circle in the flower of life, but to know that my flower of life circle is all I can authentically say I know in that sense, if that makes sense. It's a kind of a paradox. Like I said, I'm a double Gemini. So I'm rambling yet again. Um, was there anything you guys, and, and thank you for that uh, sentiment. I'm glad you brought that up because even just the fact, I mean, sometimes we joke, like this is almost like a therapist's couch. So sometimes we have people on, we talk about, you know, super specific things, but sometimes we just talk and process and um, it could serve any number of functions. Ultimately, I think that's what this thing for me is. And I can't speak for Raphael. It's entertaining and interesting. And to the degree that we talk about cool shit and with cool people, but we're all just kind of trying to figure out ourselves through each other uh, basically. So it's kind of a, like an orgy of thought, if you want to put it that way. So, um, were there anything that you guys want to talk about or Raphael, did you want to kind of take the bull by the horns? Well, uh, Jean, anything you'd like to bring up, Richard, Dominic? Uh, yes, I wanted to say that uh, I kind of made the transition of knowing that everything is me and it's super weird. 
So my life, I wanted to say that my life is uh, more or less divided into two types of actions. Like when I live uh, my life without thinking too much, I'm just applying the formula and uh, I, I'm just enjoying life. But and uh, what is and sometimes it gets so weird. Anytime I like interface with someone which is uh, who is clearly on a lower vibration. I, the only thing I, I can do with them is um, like I get reflected all my negative belief. Like it's just so obvious that uh, no one is talking to me. It's just my belief. It's uh, there's something that happens so often. It's so fucking weird. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. It reminds me a little of Cloud Atlas. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that film, but with old Georgie, this character who's played by Viggo Mortensen, or not Viggo Mortensen, um, the guy who was Agent Smith in The Matrix, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, uh, but anyway, um, in Cloud Atlas, this old Georgie character is kind of a reflection of your internal fears projected outside of yourself. So Tom Hanks is sitting there watching some guy, and he's going to get like up and cannibalized or whatever's going to happen. And old Georgie is the part of himself, maybe the lower chakra, lower frequency, animal survival kind of self that's like, you don't want, you got to defend yourself and don't, don't help. You'll get fucked up and all this stuff. And there's a truth to that. It's not absolutely false, but it's not a higher vibrational truth um, in that sense. So I think that's kind of what I'm hearing when you say that it's like, it doesn't make other people non-existent, but it's kind of like the matrix ironically with agent Smith's where people can be who they are. And then all of a sudden they will represent something radically all of a sudden kind of like an archetype or something in front of you where um, you experience what where you're at in that sense like you can only apprehend that which you are capable of apprehending so like the frequencies you're at you'll you'll see outside of yourself um that's kind of like the law of attraction stuff and um like even in terms of relationships uh sexual and otherwise um even just friendly um you attract where you're at uh, and then there's so much of yourself that you're not aware of consciously that it's it's a a whole tapestry of vibrations of where you're at that represent themselves to you outside of yourself in that sense. But, um, yeah, it's a trip because there's this balancing act between, um, solipsism, which is like, I am the only thing that exists and everything's an extension of my mind, kind of like vanilla sky or something like that, uh, which can be dangerous. I think it can be very nihilistic and you can, you can maybe unvalue that. I mean, that's where kind of, you know, Crowley and Nietzsche and stuff like that are going to kick in more where it's like, I do what I want, whether or not it helps you, I don't care about you. Um, so that could be dangerous potentially, but the, we are just experiencing ourselves through each other in weird projection ways. It's like group solipsism. I've always said, so it's like, they're, they're actually outside of you and real in that sense, but you're all equally participating in a dream of, of becoming and, and present tense being eternally in that sense. Um, I am rambling. I've been really rambling today. <laughs> Sorry guys, but, uh, Raphael or anybody, if you had any kind of comments to what he just said in terms of dealing with perceived lower vibrational others uh and kind of it's kind of like neo with the bullets like those are just things he that are you know he could sit there and be like oh my god i just got shot i'm dead but he's like no and he sits there and he kind of like deals with it and he handles the dream in that sense the matrix and he controls the bullets that's why he's the one we're all the one so we can all do that but then we've bought into belief systems and habits of behavior and, and belief and all sorts of stuff um that make us forget that like graham hancock would say we're a species with amnesia that's more than just sociologically with tartaria and stuff like that this has to also do with 
functional mechanisms of relationship and things like that. Uh, yes, I wanted to say that it's exactly, exactly that. And um, but the the, the the other thing I want to say is that it's not because you are everything that you know yourself completely. That's really the trick. You will always manifest something. That's and when you manifest a lower aspect or something you don't prefer, like you, because it's a dream, you know you will some you know it will just go on and you will manifest something else. So that's that's very strange. But that's where. I really understand it's a dream. It's very, uh, like, the feeling is uh, it's really <laughs> unique. It's surreal. So, uh, Jim, in terms of what you said, just to kind of reiterate, not only Bouchard's, but also my position on this, there is no one external, even though I, I kind of can grok what you mean by that. <clears throat> For terms of practicality, it makes sense to think of everyone at least, you know, equally, how should I say, um existent let's say as yourself but even here if we are uh discerning about interpretation then there wouldn't be an issue with solipsism in that sense because if i know everything is me really i choose my polarization number one there's infinite uh, reality universes versions anyhow so again what you put out is what you get back and then it really just matters again what do you wish to experience for yourself so if you go around hurting apparent others, uh, you are ultimately hurting yourself immediately and potentially also, you know, creating some kind of negative feedback loops and stuff. So uh, just to mention that, and then, yeah, I can relate, Jean, in terms of, it seems like a dream, I guess the trip is just, you know, becoming aware of it, just as Ola was said, in terms of becoming lucid. And then anytime you have an interaction, whether pleasant or of course, still we're trained to really notice the not so pleasant stuff. But if we are conscious that it's just our projection, it's really great because we can e we can easily uh, harvest the catalyst out of the experience. And I guess then, you know, we're on the, uh, as Google would say or something, you're on the fastest route home, of course, to unity consciousness in a sense. And that's, it's important to say that it's a two-way street. So I think when, you know, we've been talking about how we treat others, people can have self-loathing and, you know, hurt themselves. And we have to, I mean, this is a weird way to get out of that mode, but it's like when you hurt yourself, you were hurting the world too. There's parts of yourself that you're sheltering or hiding under a bushel, as they say, or damaging. And the whole dream wants you to be fully present in the most aware way possible. It's gracious enough to allow multiple versions multiple dimensions however we want to talk this frequencies but i think there is a um maybe like you're saying a preferred route um maybe that's the whole Taoist thing uh, um like google maps like you were saying Raphael, where it's like there's a there's a fastest route and then there's like other alternative routes that have lessons in them so you know you can go you know the direct route or the the uh roundabout way or how you know and multiple and any number in between um, but we have to be very cognizant of the fact that it's not just about us treating the world as we want to be treated, but treating ourselves as we want to see the world reflected as. Indeed. That's also ultimately, you know, whether it's Trump or politics or any number of things, Bill Gates, all this shit. It's like that's a part of ourselves we're not dealing with consciously. And until we can forgive it, integrate it and all that stuff, it will necessarily be an antagonism outside of ourselves. Well put. Uh, well, Richard, Dominic, anything you'd like to add?
yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know, nothing. I, I, <laughs> I, I just, uh, today I saw some kind of video where somebody was going on about, uh, some movie producer who is involved in Hollywood and, and he knows a lot about, uh, he even made a movie about this, uh, whatever, the whole pedophilia thing. And, uh, and then because I sometimes, uh, like in the, the subject being consciously creating or consciously co-creating. So sometimes I'm like trying to filter out routes that I don't want to go down to. So, so like just as an experiment, I could, for example, in my consciousness, wipe out all Corona issues and, and that it even exists, let's say, because I'm completely focusing on something else, not being aware it not being present in my consciousness bubble. So that's one way saying, well, I'm co-creating or creating that type of reality where I'm just going about my things and certain things are not there. But then somehow there is uh, also like as kind of an opposing thing to that, that thing that there is certain things, certain things that go on in the dark and certain things that pop up and, and, and that I don't want to fall into the trap of kind of denying it or not looking because uh, also, also I find like if I'm, if I'm deciding to not be looking because perhaps there's something ugly there, then I am in the process becoming more blind. So I'm, I'm kind of also need to be looking, um, Especially today, I had the feeling when I saw this video, it was, was a very honest rant from that guy, 30 minutes. Uh, and he apparently really knows the stuff and he has been in Hollywood and he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's been in the Hunger Games and all kinds of things. So see, he has the credentials. And I was just looking, I was watching it and I was feeling it and it was, it was hurting, but I, I kind of felt I need to watch this. This is, I have to go through all the feelings. This is happening. This is going on. There is weird stuff happening in this world and I need to go through it, feel it, see it, look at it and don't look away, something like this. Was the uh, documentary you are talking about Out of Shadows or something like that, Out of the Shadows? He mentioned Out of the Shadows, but he actually made a feature film. Oh, what was the name? Something with kids. No, he, he mentioned Out of the Shadows. He did a lot of research, but he made a feature film about some people getting out some young girls from trailer parks and, 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 and stuff like this and selling them off to, I don't know, high paying individuals. Uh, I can, I can look up the name of the movie. I will, I will find it in maybe uh, two minutes. Oh, it's oh. cool. It's not major priority. I was just curious. Go ahead, Raphael. No, I just always like to mention as Bashar also says, and you know, there's lots of debate, especially now. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, Jean, Oluwa, uh, or Dominic, you, you want to comment on this as well. Um, but the general idea, you know, like how to deal with, let's just say new information. And of course, the issue we are always facing, we already discussed, is whether then because of any information you're getting, you start to give your power away and start forget, start forgetting or whatever. Don't look at being lucid and remember that what you put out is what you get back, but start believing that there is whatever kind of exterior force, positive or negative, that's influencing you. Instead of you realizing that all you got to do is make a choice. But then, you know, what he says, the, um, the process of the expansion of consciousness is a process of integration, not exclusion. And then someone also posted on some Bashar group related to some discussion 
um, what you resist persists. So, um, yeah, but anyhow, I'm curious as to what you guys uh, think about this whole, you know, integration of negative aspects, potentials, uh, theories, ideas. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I can talk a little while on this. So if anyone wants to go before me, I'd like to be definitely one of the last guys to speak on this. All right, then Jean first, if you'd like to comment. Uh, no, I have nothing specific to say. All right. Uh, Dominic, in this case? I al always think about something and then someone else says something and I got to process it and then I just forget it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, this is a group channeling, so it's all good. I was going to so say, then, it's a group, group game. I'll say one thing really quick and then the conscious totally uh, his. Always. Um, it's good that you're bringing up the kind of young, Carl Young perspective of like, we have shadow integration. That's the whole point. There's no such thing as pure goodness, right? It's the whole yin yang thing, right? Like there's nothing that is without a little shadow and there's nothing that you know, the darkest shit is redeemable in that sense. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the model of like learning about sex maybe, or, you know, just innocence to experience stuff. I think there's levels, whether socially, like sociologically or mentally, psychologically, that we build up barriers to things we don't want to believe or hear, or we distract ourselves. So it's a lot easier to, you know, drink a pint and watch a soccer game than deal with maybe um, the, the diamond trade in Africa or something like that. Um, and we are all living out our preferences. And I think what's happening, this is an apocalypse, basically. I'm still on that wave to the degree that apocalypse means unveiling. And I think there's multiple levels of things that people have karmically and contractually gotten into, so we can't judge it past a point i mean it gets really weird because this is why buddhists don't get involved with the karma of others because like that's their karma where when do you know the lessons learned how do you know like you know it gets tricky but um i think we're starting to unveil a lot of the mechanisms behind capitalism behind kind of the world as we've had it for the past yuga or even an atlantic post-atlantean kind of era a pharaonic era which has certain dynamics and mechanisms involved um and we're all becoming kind of less hypnotized by that that kind of um dream state um because magic's real <laughs> you know the magic's part of the dream and there's good wizards and there's bad wizards and all this stuff it's all in the dream so it's all good in that sense but there's still i think at some level dynamics polarity or whatever this is why the emerald tablets talk about like dark brotherhoods and chaos creatures in the bible as the serpent in the garden and stuff like that so they serve a function but i think we're not being you know being wise is being aware and I think for a long time we've chosen or or not been cultured to being aware um, and we've been disempowered. And now we're starting to, whether these things are ultimately true, you know, I don't know. I'm not a prosecuting attorney. It seems like there's a lot of corruption and stuff. Um, it gives us the opportunity to show compassion to it and love through it, not to accept it and say it can't be changed or, you know, like this is where it gets tricky. This is why I'm still a Christian. I was like, I think justice and righteousness and things like that are good and and not to be avoided right um and we should be feeding the white wolf more than the black wolf but the black wolf exists and we have to kind of have compassion for it because whatever we see out there is inside of us at some level and that's the hardest weirdest pill to swallow so it's like whether it's fascism on the rise or pedophilia or else any number of things just you know it doesn't have to be that crazy even just like people you know mistreating each other it's like that can and is reflected in me at some level holographically or else I wouldn't be in the dimension where that's experienced kind of thing. 
So I'm glad you kind of said it basically, and I'll shut the fuck up, but basically it's about integration. It's about compassion and acceptance and rising through it and not running to one side. What always comes to mind is like in a hook, um, Steven Spielberg's movie hook with John Williams soundtrack, which is awesome um, about Peter Pan. There's a moment where Rufio and Peter Pan are like kind of trying to get people to pick their side, so to speak. So it's like duality incarnate. And it's like, oh, who's the pan? Is it Rufio? Is that, you know, all the kids run on one side? No, it's panning. And he can, you know, he doesn't look like it, but he's he's a hero in disguise kind of thing. And they all run to the other side. And I think that's kind of what we end up doing. We start getting caught in our minds and and certain perceptions. Um, and the last thing I'll kind of say is, like, it's bigger than our minds, even though it's all a mind, capital M, in some weird way. Um, something that Bashar was saying that I thought resonated with was, like, our higher selves are projecting or is constructing reality. Right. And then our mind is a receiver, our brain, actual physiological brain. And then we, our personality is, a, uh, it, it, um, perceives reality. Yes. Yes. So it's like, there's a lot of levels to this. So there's perceptions that are, you know, and it gets into Plato's cave analogies a little. It's like maybe the shadows serve a function more than we know. So don't commit to like just good and bad guy stuff. But at the same time, don't just run around saying like, you know, while they're pedophiles, that's a karma. I won't do anything. It gets tricky and different people have different permission slips to know how to behave in the dream. So some people are going to be like, I am a justice warrior. I'm an angel of light. I'll go play that role. And some people will say, I want to play video games and fucking pull slot machines and drink beer. I'm not going to pay attention to it. So we have to be discerning, but true to ourselves and the bottom line is you get what you give so if you if you avoid things in ignorance you're going to have some consequences of that but if you're fully engaged in things with full awareness to the degree that you're capable at any given time i think you're living righteously to the degree you're able to in that sense but anyway um alawa go for it now that was good jim i mean to add on to that um i'm now starting to understand that you know coming into this life um, we're born into complete forgetfulness, complete separation. So naturally, there's going to be um, tension. There's going to be friction. There's going to be, in a sense, negativity. I mean, Bashar said to me, you know, the theme is from darkness into light. Um, so everything that's happening is natural. I mean, if if anyone here has taken psychedelics, they know that their consciousness transforms becomes broader there's more wisdom there's more scope there's more perspective i mean when i take ayahuasca i'm like oh yeah i'm god and it's not even a question or a doubt and then when it went when it weans off and it i return back to this small focus and i'm like but but am i god am am i really and it's like well an hour ago you were god and you knew it and now you're questioning that so for me it's and for a lot of people in this community it's it's that process of remembering remembering so it's done really it's just we're in the process of remembering and a part of me is like well if you're if i'm god and i know everything what is what's exciting as bashar would say follow your highest excitement what's the next exciting thing to do well the only exciting thing to do is to forget everything and then in a sense it's this kind of infinite yeah, infinite loop process from remembering to forgetting to remembering to forgetting. Because once you remember it, then it's it's done. It's like the game's done. Okay, what's the next level? Well, the next level, funny enough, is forgetting, starting from square one. Because it's never going to be the same, even though all truths are true. Technically, it can be. Um, but you know what I mean. 
Um, well, it's funny because that goes right in line with Bashar's equation. So at some point when you're excited, I mean, the, what you're saying is very Alan Watts-ish, right? In the sense that like, we're God that forgot itself because that's the most novel, entertaining, interesting thing that could happen. So we're finding ourselves going deeper and deeper into the dream as the most interesting. And at some point when you get to the bottom of the dream, so to speak, even if that's possible, and you're like, it's all me, and you stay in that mode, and you're like, uh, you know, you're fully woke, however you want to put that, like the next best thing would to be dream anew or whatever, you know, like it, it's, I see what you mean by the cyclic nature. I mean, like w we look at it as like trying to rise out of the dream, like Buddhism, like, Oh, I'm going to reach Nirvana. What happens when you're in Nirvana? Maybe after a little bit, whatever time is in that state is like, well, I get this. Now I want to go back into the fucking fray. And it's yes. just like, um, that movie, um, shit. What's that movie? Uh, Spielberg movie he did recently. Uh, Rafa, you know what I'm talking about? This, the VR one. Player one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Ready Player One. So once you pull out to a point, you're like, I want to go to this world or that world and, and go ahead and, you know, and we do that. And and it's just so psychedelic. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's like, that's what's, it, it's this, it, you know, not only is it the wheel of fortune and time, um, in that sense, with the card of the episode, where it's like, there's a time to be God mode and you know it, and then there's a time to forget that and it's all good. But also the single-minded focus of the Orion card, right? One-minded focus or whatever it was said, where it's like, we are in the process of going from single-mindedness of, you know, bicameral opposable thumb primate things, running around breathing oxygen on this planet, and the story is getting broader and broader. At some point, the story will be so inclusive that we say, well, I know the whole story, or however that would work. Um, and then that's when the dream starts again. This is what maybe the whole cycle is based on, actually. So it's, so it's really about ex expanding the comfort zone, right? So becoming comfortable with everything that comes and putting the focus on that which serves you or which fills your highest excitements or at least to give your I, I don't know the permission slip to perceive it as your highest excitement because i think it's about that right becoming comfortable with everything because you are everything something like that i don't know it's tricky because i don't know i mean ultimately yes i think to be comfortable with everything because you yourself are in a place of uh, it's about I, something he was saying. Bashar was saying in the last bit I was listening to before this podcast was like, it's not your external ex experience that should dictate how you feel. That's reflecting what you are feeling. So do what you can yourself. What can you control? What can you fall? You know, this gets into this like, if you want to create all these like, you know, and it's something that hit me when he was saying all this is like, I guess as a Christian, I think to get to this place of 144 Rainbow Tribe shit, we have to go through apocalypse. That's a belief I have. So I have to start being really serious about my beliefs. It's like, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like we've chosen a struggle model in that sense. Uh, it's always abundant. It's always now. So we can kind of start tweaking it. And it it's paradoxical because it's not, it's not excluding what you're saying in terms of being comfortable with what's out there. You will necessarily be comfortable with what's out there when you're, when you're comfortable with yourself and doing the work in that sense, right? So Obi-Wan was all about the, you know, Jedis and Sith and all this shit and fighting Darth Vader. But at some point he had a higher self awareness. That moment where he's like, strike me down and I'll be greater than you ever fucking dreamt Darth. Cause Darth is this kind of 3d machine man, transhumanist model or whatever, Orion all the way. Right. And, um, he had the knowing that yes, I'm playing a game, strike me down. And I'm like, I exit the fucking ready player one and I'll have a different kind of influence on the game. And, you know, and the dynamics play out in that movie as they do. But the point is, I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if we'll ever be fully comfortable in the sense of like, 
Should I? I mean, I guess the most woke is to be looking around and say every tidal wave, every fucking birth and death, everything is something I am willing to participate with, right? And that's kind of the level of comfortability. I don't think it's so much like, yes, I want kids to be raped. Yay, pedophilia. It's not so much like that. It's more like I allow, I'm gracious enough. This is crazy. I'm gracious enough to allow creation to take its many forms and witness it to the best of the ability that I can um, and be appreciative and grateful for it, right? Um, the good and the bad, the winter and the summer. And there's some pretty harsh winters. Sometimes people don't survive. Like there's, you know. The Donner Party, if you've ever heard of that in America, there was a group of people who were crossing out to the West and they got stuck in the, I think, California or uh, Utah mountains or somewhere, and they ended up cannibalizing each other. That's a pretty ratchet fucking trip. Um, but that's there were lessons there for them and they all signed up for it. This gets into presuppositions, so we have to be careful how we're approaching things because if you think, you know, I, I don't know, I'm rambling, but but the point is, um, and Allah, I didn't mean to cut you off if you wanted to keep talking. Um, I think we get to the comfort place when we know that it's all good, but good, the definitions, the terms being defined as good and evil have been culturally loaded for so long that we don't know. I mean, I'm as a Christian, I think there is like evil in a sense, but evil is still in creation. If that makes sense, it's still permitted. That's the whole story of Job. I mean, if you want to get biblical, God's like, you know, the director of the film and basically, you know, cops and robbers are playing and the cops say, uh, the, the robbers are beating me the fuck up. And it's like, we will, we're going to allow the robbers to do that. It's like, there's dynamics that creates the, a more interesting story. And if, and if we have to pull back at that level and be disassociative, I mean, worst case scenario, we're wrong and we'll find out. But I think that's probably the most, you know, to say we don't know ultimately is probably the wisest place, but the, my inclination is to go into a place where we've hardwired a lot of cultural and behavior into our, our bodies, our DNA, into I mean, which gets into gene key stuff, but we're working through so much um, that we just have to take a deep breath and be appreciative of anything and everything, including, you know, corpses on a battlefield being eaten by flies. It's horrifying. It's gross. It create that that kind of polarity makes us appreciate sitting on a riverside smoking a joint or whatever. Right? It's like without one, we wouldn't understand the other. The context gives perspective. But ultimately, we're not of this world like we're strangers in a strange land this is a dualistic machine of consciousness or however you want to put that it's not even the full thing there's other levels that's what the higher self's all about there's parts of us that are not bound to this so when we start going to those and tapping into those things which are already part of us we start kind of transcending the game and that's when the game changes for sure um I feel like the transcending, there was that Rick and Morty episode where Morty went into that virtual reality, had a life, and then got out, and it was just a game. Life of Roy. I, yeah. It's like, that, he went off really, grid. <laughs> it's like, you could do that anything. That hit home. Um, but I feel, you know, Rick, What I feel like once we get it, we wouldn't be like Rick. We'd actually be... Um, it's coming into this life, having all these inputs from movies and that. That's why I think we have this conflict, this, um, not philia, but like this, this sec, this desire for conflict so we can be a hero or something. Um, so naturally conflict is a aspect of our existence. Um, I believe strongly that 
we're a stepping away from that, at least the ones of us who understand the importance of what you put out is what you get back. Um, it's been channeled a lot, like with the space battles, the different Orion wars or the Cassiopeian wars. They said themselves, um, once we stopped fighting, we found peace. And it's just, it, it, it's the funniest thing because it's like, yeah, that makes total sense. But why are we fighting? You know, why? But even on the most subtle of levels, why fight anything? You know, I mean, Ryok, Bashar, Elan, uh, Gita Rose, Hezbollah, they all say the same thing. And I agree. It's, it, it, the mirror is the best analogy. You know, what you put out is what you get back. Um, and growing up, we've had a lot of stuff put on us and then we've reflected that. And so I'm at a point now where I know that dark room is the go-to dark room. That would be my one takeaway from this. If anyone's listening, dark room retreats or make your own dark room. So you produce your own DMT in your penal gland. Um, because it, 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 the strangest thing is like, I don't know why people don't understand this, but if you close your eyes in a dark room, you're going to see light and you're going to see colors. Is the sun shining? No. Is there any light from anywhere? No. What is that about? You produce it. So if you do it long enough, you get to the point where you literally become lucid. You literally become lucid. What does that say? You know, like Morpheus says, is that air you're breathing? You know, when we're dreaming and we're lucid, is that air? It's all perspective. It's all consciousness. It's very easy. We've made it hard for ourselves, but that's the point. It's a masterclass. It's a challenge. Otherwise, it'd be fucking boring. So where I'm at now is, and I love Abraham Hicks now because I have my on and off times with her, but she says the same Wheel thing. Wheel of Fortune. Know. There's a season for everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Get up to speed. Get up to speed. And what does that mean for me? That means, am I going to say, am I going to say it like it is, or am I going to say it like brackets, how I want to be, it is. Um, an example, because examples are very important. I'm sat here, if I'm honest, life sucks. I want a girl. I want some drugs. I want a banging car. I want to be on a beautiful beach with white sand, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know what I mean? But then I can also be like this. You know what? Life is amazing. I'm so fortunate that one, I have a roof over my head. I have an amazing family. I have the capability of going to a beach with white, beautiful sand. I have the capability of meeting an amazing woman. And that to me is now the, that to me is not the difference. Who am I? How am I going to be? Am I going to talk about how crap life is? Or am I going to talk about how good life is? Because it is. And this is where I'm really, really putting the action, what I was saying at the start, which I wasn't doing the 99% or the 1%. Um, for me now, it's hardcore. Life is awesome, and it is. And I know so much now, thanks to psychedelics, thanks to cannabis, thanks to um, the experience of lucid dreaming. I just know it. And again, the only challenge I have is I don't know the future. I can't have expectations. I can have expectancy, but I don't know what's coming for me down the future. I just know what I do with what's coming. And what I do is what's coming is just make it out to be the best 
that it is. To quote the Lego movie, everything is awesome. And then we can choose to focus on, you know, light or night and the polarities and the dance there. And, and even Bashar, I think, says, and I'm not sure if others have, but, you know, this is a very unique situation in the universe. Other people, you know, I mean, Raphael, I think, could speak upon it more, but it's like, we've forgotten what we already knew. Most other people don't do that. And, you know, we've disempowered ourselves and we've made it so it's like we're trying to climb a flagpole that's greased or something. And it's just like, this isn't easy. But we asked for the video game on hard. That's kind of what this is. Um, there may be something I want to read uh, that's a little long, not terribly long, but it, it's not Bashar, but it's a Mayan dream spell kind of thing, which kind of fits into this. And I know um, it's got a certain flavor to it, so I hope it resonates. But Raphael, do you want to speak at all about what we're talking about in terms of the hard school aspect? I mean, you know, anyone can ask this question to themselves, but especially if one gets around, you know, some... Again, in my view, of course, no matter how you approach it from, you know, different ideas of sciences, quantum physics and so on, or religions and so on, and you kind of update the definitions, which what Bashar is all about, is always saying you all already have these things, you know, you have the tablets, you have the hermetic laws, you got it all, you got the alchemy, you got the Sufi tradition, you got the, you know, everything. The acid. But it's, yeah, exactly. You got the substances, you got the plant teachers, you got everything you could ever ask. You got the technology. You got the um, dark room. What it's really about is updating the definitions, especially in terms of understanding your own spirituality, removing the dogma, kind of being discerning and filtering, you know, fear of love. And, uh, and then I would say once everyone has done that, you can see, which is another thing that uh, they always repeat, uh, you are beings of choice. It's ultimately all coming down to a choice, and that includes having made the choice to, as you say, participate in this game. And as soon as you allow yourself to see whatever is happening from that perspective of choice, both realizing that you made a choice, you could arrive here, and you can make a new choice now to arrive anywhere that you truly want, then, of course, uh, it very much um, makes the victim mentality much less accessible than what is still uh, germane uh, to many individuals, let's say, or what is germane to the old energy in a sense. Um, I'm going to read this little excerpt. It's a little long, um, but bear with me. And I guess we can either call the episode after that or we could talk for another minute. It's up to y'all. I know that this has been going on for about as long as they go, but we don't have any limits. I don't know if anybody wants to dip out because there's a few things we didn't touch on, like... um, um, shatters of the mirror and what the consequences that are and with the Willa stuff. Maybe we'll have another Bashar episode and just talk about more specifics then and write, you know, things down and come to the table with more, uh, you know, this was going to like... Then maybe was... first before you read, uh, ask yeah. if there's anything uh, that any of you would like to bring up that hasn't been mentioned so far, uh, which would not need uh, three more hours, but, you know, anything that's on your minds. Well, I guess that's a no. Or Jean, Oliver, Richard, Dominic, anything? Yes, maybe the Yael was a very interesting topic, but I don't know. We've actually had a Yael channel on. Um, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, uh, but Raphael knows him, um, and he's been on the podcast. Raphael, what was his name again? 
Simon Gerwe and he's actually on a tour right now, the Yael and Friends tour for I think the second or third time. He's also going to come to Vienna pretty soon to our local space. And yeah, he's a really cool guy. We had one, two, three episodes with him, one in particular about his channeling and stuff. And uh, as I also do conscious channeling, of course, you know, I mean, at least with him, we get along great. And we also drew some of the, some similar conclusions. Really interesting. Any, you know, everyone interested, check him out. And also cool because he's specifically channeling the Yael and he's channeling them in German, which is cool, of course. So yeah, he's definitely been on three times, but one time in English. I was like, what? He's been on more than once? One English episode on Team Rabbit Hole, but the other one's um, guessing through just Okie Talk stuffs. Um, was there anything specifically you wanted to talk about the IEL? Um, or what made you kind of say that? <laughs> I don't mind either way. I'm just curious. Uh, no, it was the old uh, thing about first contact because I come from a very scientific background and uh, everyone is waiting for proof and uh, this whole debate is uh, is just huge. So I was also hit by that when I discovered Bashar. What's definitely cool about this whole idea of the Yael is that it's kind of like, I mean, the whole backstory, anyone interested, you know, check out Bashar's Blueprint for Change some other, let's say, core documents to also kind of get the lore. I mean, the real, I would say, relevant idea is, you know, you create your own reality, what you put out is what you get back, universal law, formula, fast excitement. That's like the real core thing that's useful. However, the backstory is, I think, extremely interesting, especially if you can see it from a neutral perspective and then even interpret it positively. And seen uh, on that level, it's kind of cool that we could say that... Uh, Bashar's civilization, the Sasani, are in a sense our children. And there is a variant of those children, which would be the Yael, which actually are even kind of like, in a sense, made to be as compatible with us as possible so that once we come out of our uh, negative type of hypnosis trance state, we'll have a transition as smooth as possible, even in terms of having some of the first quote-unquote etheric extraterrestrial entities we interact with actually be so very closely related to us that we may not even be able to tell the difference. So at least to me, it's, it sounds like, you know, my plan in a sense or our plan. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I like that that timeline. So if it's up to me, you know, I'm definitely going to choose something along those lines, no matter how it plays out uh, specifically. Uh, anything uh, you guys would like to mention about the Yael in particular? Yes, it's a I think that's very interesting what you say, because me personally, I seem to be more uh, attracted towards the idea of Pleiadian, and I don't really understand the Yael, uh, Grey, uh, Sasani. But now that I have discovered them, I know what it's all about, so it makes sense. So it's very interesting, because all my uh, UFO sightings and stuff are extremely technological and very human, like almost uh, parallel Earth realities. Actually, it's funny. My nana, uh, my grandmother, um, who is a hardcore Christian and a conservative type person, she recently sent me a link. Well, not only to Plandemic, Rafael, she just recently sent me that. She's like, scope this. Um, but also, good. yeah, I know, right? It's like, what is the time now, folks? Um, she sent me a really good uh, documentary called on Netflix called Unacknowledged um, with just kind of mostly revolving around Stephen Greer. 
and kind of what you're saying, I think there is, well, we have not everything that's a UFO has to be necessarily quote alien or interdimensional. Like it can be, you know, yeah, yes, it's all psychic and mental in a sense, consciousness. So it's like, what is hardware and nuts and bolts versus like, what is like, a like a being of light hovering from another dimension, like astral projecting in ours or whatever, it gets tricky, but let's be real. There's governments that have technology and there's private institutions as Elon Musk will show and stuff that fuck around with technology in the hardware sense, like the nuts and bolts stuff. So, um, as far as like contact, I've, this sounds crazy. Um, there's a movie called La Congress, which is actually in English, but um, it's titled The Congress, and it's re- if you guys haven't seen it, you should. It's it's really surreal. It's very Buddhist, but the idea is like it's a good a, one. Yeah, it's like a psychedelic apocalypse. I can't quite explain it. Um, just just check out the preview and see you know on YouTube. L e c o n g r e s s The Congress. Um, but something like that, I think, is going to be happening with first contact in the sense that we're going to just kind of go deeper and deeper into the dream and the weirdness. Like life becomes a trip. Uh, in a sense, and just things we wouldn't expect start happening um, to the point where then it becomes normal. So like Harry Potter at first was like, oh my gosh, an owl with a letter. And by the end, he's like, I'm facing Voldemort and all this, you know, it's like there's a story arc even to our awakening. So I'm not particularly looking for like, you know, the day the earth stood still kind of things like where it's like, oh shit, a, a ship has landed and somebody's come out and they're like, take me to your leader type thing. I have a feeling it's going to be more like people tapping into their, um, night and light sides at multiple dimensions and then effects you know basically you start resonating in a universe where these effects start becoming more and more obvious like mad like more and more magical and everyone's going to have different presuppositions and and preferences so maybe i mean if you guys want to live in a universe where they come and land on the lawn and all of a sudden it's like independence day or something like that that can happen like that's not off the table but i think i'm at a point where we've been told yeah yeah. that's uh, in my my idea in my book that, yeah, in my book, that's more likely going to be the blue beam psyop if they're going to exactly. land on the lawn, you know, like like that <laughs> at first, you know. But even here, I mean, I guess Bashar uh, explains it, you know, there's protocols for first contact and so on. There's individual contact. Track. Oh, yeah. And uh, in a sense, but also, again, the whole idea, it's not going to be, you know, le- some levels, and this is even documented of government and whatever else, most likely already had varying types of contact. So that's not primarily what we're going to be looking for, even though, of course, disclosure may be a great thing once we are ready for it. But here again, the point being, there's nothing exterior to wait on a like vibration to like vibration uh, when, you, you know, when the when you're ready. When it matches, it happens. Yeah. And, but we uh, got to be yeah. real with ourselves because Bashar, even I remember hearing one where it's like, we told you where we were going to be come to the Joshua tree fucking desert at this time. And like no one even came close cause they started freaking out. So I, I think we have to be realistic with ourselves. We're just in process where we are, where we're, we are, where we are. We're going from apes to angels in that sense, right? From like, you know, very primitive kind of yuga system stuffs to all the way up. And I know Raphael doesn't necessarily agree with that, but the point is we're going, we're going from basic and closed minded, you know, Jesus, forgive them for they don't know what the fuck is going on or Buddha. They're in ignorance. Like we're going from that to awake. We're going from that to at the helm of the dream, co-creating like Dr. Fucking Strange up in here. Like it's going to get more. I think things are going to be more like X, um, X-Men and and stuff like that. Like I think people will start turning on to trans-dimensional and interdimensional selves. And then once that starts happening, like, chan- like I mean, in that sense, Bashar has made contact. 
like I mean that to me is a kind of a first contact, but then I guess there's a, right, a right. more more of a progression in a sense of progression in uh, like oh how do, like when did they land and we're like mingling like avatar style or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I guess when we're when we prefer it both subconsciously and consciously, it'll occur. Like Raphael's saying. Can I quick? Oh, definitely. Um, on mushrooms, I. Where was it? Yes, yeah, so on mushrooms. When I was in London, I was with a friend. And she saw my face shift. And at that point, it's a weird thing because on mushrooms, I have these points where I just completely go still and silent because I just feel I have to. Like either I'm getting a download or something. And I got the second confirmation, I'd say two months ago. Um, this time I was on Yopo, which I highly rate as a substance for uh, conscious expanding. And the girl in front of me again, she was like, oh my God, your face. I was like, what? She goes, it changed. I was like, fucking yeah. So there's definitely scope in the sense of superpowers and that kind of stuff. It's definitely a possibility. And um, it's like anything. I mean, when we say superpowers, it's to me, it's like a wish. It's not a reality. But the truth is, it can be. And it is. And now that I've had two confirmations... I'm solidifying that belief. I just need to act on that belief. And it's anything is possible. This is, this is the real joke. It's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath in or an orgy of superpowers soon. We just have to really now believe. And I, one thing I don't get is if, if that's the way forward, why are governments bad? (laughs) Because I feel like to transition into 5D, you can't really be bad. It's a weird thing. I I strongly think you can't take those dark energies into 5D because there's an inherent integral sense of responsibility when you transition. And I think that's the part of the transition. I don't think governments are bad. It's like training wheels. Yeah, training wheels, yeah, for sure. so what I would mention here, I'm just, you know, going off the framework of Ra. Here it says that actually negative polarization, or firstly, this is a realm of catalysts, especially third density, because we are not anymore really connected to the second density mass consciousness like plants and animals and so on. So we are in this process of individuation, separation, third density, going to fourth, which again would be then conjunction. So re-immersing oneself in unity, potentially, but kind of from above. However, there, well, there that's is... Well, like governments reflecting what we can do in terms of sovereignty ourselves, but we had to have a model outside of ourselves to show us it's possible, quote-unquote, fourth-density stuff. Well, Stretch, but whatever. M- maybe, yeah. Um, but what I just want to get at is that it says, and again, I'm stressing this idea, which even Jesus says apparently, you know, be cold or be hot. If you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And for me, Jesus being a representation generalized of fourth density consciousness, even not, I mean, in the story, polarized positively, certainly. But here I think he just speaks as the gatekeeper of fourth density. This would be in line with what Ra says in terms of here it's all about making a choice of polarization within third density so that you can ascend to fourth density. However, also fourth density has 
a positive and negative polarization aspect. So in a sense, upon ascending here, depending what route you take, this is well explained in Law of One by Ra, you can either choose to, let's say, you know, become a demon lord, or you can become an angel. Both are possible, and at least within that framework, the limit to negative polarization actually is at the very end of fifth density. So this would be the density of wisdom. Sixth density would then be the, the density of the unity of love and wisdom. And only here, kind of, the barrier is bent, inbuilt, and the so-called spiritual entropy becomes too high for negatively polarized entities that they could still progress farther than, let's say, the very edge of fifth density. At least, as far as I understand, in terms of the channelings and so on and stories that I hear, it very well seems as if polarization continues on for these two densities. So just, you know, to provide some perspective on that level. And two things that came to mind, Alawa, when you said that um, there's a Genesis line, the band from England, which is awesome, at least before uh, Peter Gabriel dipped, um, in their concept album, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, which is kind of like a modern Pilgrim's Progress. It's really fascinating, high, high intense lyrical, musical stuff. If you guys don't know about it, scope it. I'm dropping so many nuggets culturally. It's it's mind-numbing. But um, there's a lyric in there. Um, oh, actually, it's not on that album. It's in the song called Supper's Ready. My bad. I think that's on, like, Singing Them by the Pound or some other album. But um, there's this, like, 20-minute epic called Supper's Ready about the apocalypse and all sorts of crazy shit. And it says, I swear I saw your face change. It didn't seem quite right. So when you said that whole shape-shifting face thing, that came to mind because you're British and I even heard it in, like, this British Peter Gabriel tone. It was funny to me. But also, another Brit being represented in the movie Inception with DiCaprio – um, you know, the guy's shooting at all these people and it's dreams within dreams, which is ultimately kind of what's happening because it's not one just thing anyway. It's like many layers within layers, kind of Shakespeare dreaming within a dream stuffs. Um, but it's, he said, you, got, you can't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling, or whatever, right? And he shoots this grenade launcher. It's like, that's the thing. We, we have to edge ourselves out of fear and into excitement, dare I say, um, to, to the fact that we can dream and um, play with possibilities, Right. That's all it's ever been. It's always been what do we permit ourselves? What have we been told we can do? Permissions from others, et cetera. And we're processing all this stuff. So it's all good. But it's like we've come from a more and it's not like nothing against Puritanism and uh, governments, like you were saying, like they serve a function. But I think we need to realize they're extensions of us outside of ourselves and not to disempower ourselves ultimately as sovereign, free thinking, free will beings ourselves. Um, you know, we don't need uh, is Tom, you know, in the rush song tom so it's like uh he doesn't need a god or government and all this kind of stuff i think we need those things to a degree but at some point there are crutches outside of ourselves so we have to be kind of careful with what we give our power to and what we prefer and just be honest with ourselves um i'm kind of curious Raphael, what the whole willa situation is if you want to try to explain that to people because bashar uh is a channeled entity by daryl anka and daryl anka also channels willa i'm guessing is a totally separate entity right Well, not totally separate. She's, according to lore, and this is explained in the books that Daryl Anka recently wrote, it's basically a future hybrid living on Earth about, I guess, a few hundred years in the future. And I believe actually part of the so-called sixth hybrid race, which would be created uh, by the five hybrid races created out of the gray and human DNA, among which are the Sasani and the Yael, 
and then at least the five of those with the current humans let's say ultimately creating the sixth hybrid race of which she is a member of and uh, how this also may relate is always talked about your face shifting well you know that's level three uh, sasani shaman shapeshifter for you right there so good job doing the work that's what's up um and then i guess one more kind of question just before maybe we wrap it up unless you guys don't want to wrap it up whatever's clever um the um mirror shard whatever that book he wrote what's it called and kind of give us the shtick of what that's about i do want to read it actually i'll be looking into these texts myself blueprint for change is amazing uh, i remember reading it actually and it was very much red pill shit where i was like oh man it's, it's apprehension of fear which is the unknown where i was like if this is true this is a game changer like this doesn't this isn't just like a new you know ooh, there's a new star wars movie yay or something like that it's like this fucking flips the script um so what is that book about if you want to kind of talk i mean is that from bashar or what's that kind of deal simply put this book is a fiction book written by daryl anka officially like a science fiction book but it's heavily based on the information relayed by willa and bashar i mean i read the first one actually the second one just came out so everyone go check out first one is called shards of a shattered mirror it's getting and, a cat uh, approval like, yeah, yes. indeed. so yeah it's and also of course it's kind of humanized and dramatized in a sense i sincerely hope they are not really facing the issues in the way that it is described in the book it's pretty dramatic so it sounds more like the current times but it definitely also involves much of the universal law and uh, approaches and techniques in like a story format that is well digestible and uh, at least when i was reading it i'm not sure if any of you guys have read the books yet it really already felt like a movie script so i'm just i just basically sincerely wish that the movies are going to be produced and released in super high quality before first contact <clears throat> actually occurs but who knows maybe it's also going to be fun to film them afterwards let's see i guess hollywood take note like let's stop remaking fucking the same movies over and over i guess mulan live action's cool and all but like why aren't we reading like we could tell ourselves new stories I think it's just having just binged all 28 or whatever Marvel um, movies and ending last night. Um, I've already seen Infinity War and Endgame, but I've decided to kind of go down that Joseph Campbell's hero's journey on all that stuff. Uh, I'm not all about action movies and I don't really care about like a plaque boom bow, you know, comic book nature of it. Like comic books are cool. I've read Akira and stuff like that, but um, there's a lot to it. And we have to be, I mean, I think that's kind of wrapping up certain levels of archetypes of storytelling uh and we've got to be the ones um even terence mckenna says like you know new myths demand new language we have to be telling ourselves new stuff in a new ways um being able to push the envelope into the novel uh and into the uh highly exciting dare i say and it could be exciting to kind of do tried and true methods but at the same time america was founded off of people i mean in, in terms of not native american um brits said it was exciting to come over here and try pilgrim stuff or whatever and it's like well we have options to do that all the time um i'm is would now be a good time to read this little excerpt well i'm not sure depending on the timing uh well guys is there anything else you would like to bring up because i think we're also good to wrap it up and maybe we'll just start with that for our next show word so uh from again well let's go from bottom to top then 
Dominic. I think it's a good good time to wrap it up and to yeah <laughs> to hear the story. Great. Well, anything else you'd like to add in conclusion, Dominic? No, not no, not yet. I'm just curious for the story right now. Start it. <laughs> All right then. Okay, Jim. So you're up then. Well, it's a perspective, right? So, um, and I'm not sure this is from the Mayan Oracle, uh, which is like dream spell and, um, that kind of stuff, a galactic light language of light. And it's called the mythic call. And I think this is just a good reminder. If you guys need some excitement, you know, some pep in your step or, you know, to give your horse, um, a new saddle, so to speak, I think you can get inspired by this and it's encouraging, but it's all, it's also illuminating. Uh, to a degree, I'm not sure what Bashar would say about it, but I think he would be probably more or less. I mean, this goes along the lines of like, this is a hard school, and you guys signed up for this shit. So it says, The Mythic Call, an invitation to transformation. Once upon a time, a galactic council was called, and a mythic call was sent out to countless light beings the children of the sun, the angelic winged ones, the sun runners, the rainbow warriors, and other luminous beings from many star systems. This great circle of light beings gathered from far and wide. At the appointed nexus, the love of the spinning galaxies entered, gracing them all with ravening celestial light and the following words. You are being invited to incarnate upon a world where a great transformation is taking place, began the love of the spinning galaxies. You who respond and embody this call will go to a place where the illusions of fear and separation are being played out, and the galactic cycle of evolution is coming to both an end and a new beginning. I'm calling those with the needed talents and gifts to act as my emissaries there, to lift and transform the frequencies of planet Earth simply by embodying and anchoring love's presence there. You will, by your very presence, transmute into love the vibration of fear that now blankets consciousness there. In this myth, you will play yourselves, holy innocents, divine child creators of this new reality of the golden octave. The love of the spinning galaxies continued. On other journeys, each of you has proven to be a, quote, feeling navigator, end quote, able to awaken your consciousness and align your heart to the promptings of pure love and compassionate service. As sunrunners and torchbearers, you've already demonstrated that you hold the light high. And so, I invite you to incarnate en masse among the tribes of Earth to assist Gaia and all her children in their initiation of the transmutation of matter. This transformation uh, coming to Earth is very rare and precious even among the many miracles of the cosmos. The magnificence of your loving presence will greatly assist the Earth in utilizing the alchemical frequencies of transformation that will open up new dimensional realities. You are diviners of harmony who transform simply through your vibrational presence. It is part of the plan that you will be veiled in forgetting so that you will experience directly what this level of fear and separation feels like, such that you can transform it from the inside out. The mystery of the spinning galaxies went on. However, as you remember the feeling of the sacred garden of childlike innocence and trust, you will become the harmonic leavening in the cycle of initiation for Earth. You will incarnate strategically, often in some of the most vibrationally dense areas on the planet. You will, you who embrace this mythic call, walking into this illusion, may forget the splendor of who you are as light beings, experiencing the overwhelming density of Earth. To some, this illusion of separation from love may create feelings of hopelessness, lack of support, and vibrational alienation. 
The very gifts which are being called forth to assist Gaia may be seen as caused for resistance, fear, and projection by that which is transformed. What, but, and, uh, projection by that which is being transformed. So like the other people. It, it, yet it will be your love that will transform the depths of the duality and your frequencies of light that will quicken the many. Your participation on this mythic quest is purely voluntary. However, this transformational shift on Earth is very rare and precious. The Earth is spinning into a powerful nexus of evolution. You are being invited to incarnate as a single global family on Earth. Should you choose to accept this mission, you will have the opportunity to catalyze and synthesize all that you have been during many incarnations, receiving a rarely offered quantum leap in consciousness. It is up to you as myth-makers to choose how you will dance with Terra Gaia and her children as she completes her ceremony of light. So spoke the light of the spinning galaxies. And so it was that the luminous beings who formed the countless alliances, federations, and councils of the faithful of the stars chose to incarnate on planet Earth to assist in this crucial event, the awakening of consciousness from the dream of matter, form, and separation. As warned, many luminous beings have indeed forgotten who they are and why they came to Earth, but there was even a fail-safe process built into the plan to awaken these beings from the veil of forgetfulness that is so rife upon Earth. The luminous ones who would journey to Gaia's assistance agreed to spark each other's remembrance. That mythic, that the mythic grandeur of the cosmic play of light in the greater hologram would be played out victoriously. Thus, these star-seated ones were encoded in many ways with sounds, colors, lights, images, words, and symbols, a vibrational resonance that would assist them in remembering their commitment to the light. The celestial sounds of the crystal singers would catalyze deep remembrance of their star codings, it was agreed that these coded clues would appear everywhere, in visionary art and music, in penetrating looks, in speech, and in feelings, all creating a deep yearning to awaken and become the embodiment of love. These symbols would act as an alarm going off, assisting them in waking, awakening and staying in their joy, or highest excitement, right? These companions of destiny, who are encoded in the very cells of their bodies with the new galactic template in consciousness, awakening them to the power of their simple presence and love. So it is that you, the children of the sun, are now being bathed in the waters of remembrance, prepared as rainbow warriors to fulfill the promise of a new and ancient myth unfolding. You embody the key to igniting unity consciousness on earth, ushering Gaia and her children into their radiant robes of light. Know that the magic you were born with is indeed real. The Feast of the Light Players is coming together to celebrate as one heart. By simply anchoring love's presence on earth, you lovingly draw down the mantle of the gods, sending waves of healing and uplifting energy throughout Gaia's eagerly receptive body. As you emerge in this time, your gifts awaken and empower others, utilizing the tools of laughter, song, dance, humor, joy, trust, and love. You are creating the powerful surge of transformation that will transmute the limitations of the old myth of duality and separation, birthing the miracle of unity consciousness on earth. The time is now, luminous children of the sun. Incomprehensible is the joy of creation as you feel called together to uh, as you feel called to gather together in ever widening circles of the great heart mandala of light, which will one day ignite a critical mass triggering a power surge, which will transmute matter into a higher octave of being. You are called into wakefulness, sun-eyed children of the marvelous dawn. Ancient skywalkers, rise up. Utilize your gifts on behalf of Gaia. In a supernova of consciousness, Gaia and her children will ascend in robes of light, forming a luminous body, a light body of love, to be reborn among the stars.
The mythic call has been sounded. The mythic quest begun. Awaken, rainbow warriors, sunrunners, luminous beings from the galactic alliances, federations, and councils of the stars. Ancient skywalkers, stand in the beauty and power of your true identity as love's gift to Gaia. Set aside self-doubt. You are a divine child of the sun. Go where your heart draws you to share your gifts. Surrender to the magic that you are as love, and the miracle will be manifested here on earth. Return to the garden. Return to the sun. Return to innocence. Return to the one. Remember, we dance and sing here for the one heart. And even though that's not channeled by Bashar, I think it very much in a paradox, you know, an outside angle of approach, similar way is saying, we are where we're supposed to be, we're, and the dream is going to get more and more interesting, and not to lose hope, and to also follow your highest excitement, and don't have any expectations. It doesn't necessarily mean Jesus coming back on a white horse, or fucking, you know, everyone having Buddha halos, or who knows what it looks like, but it's happening, and we can just kind of do our best, do our work, as within, so without, and the hologram upgrades all at once. Huzzah! Booyah. Thank you, Jim. Very much resonates. Like vibration to like vibration, and what I always like to mention is the mere fact that we can perceive such a story means, of course, we contain it and uh, don't know how much more obvious we have to make it to know that this also means we can simply choose it if that is what we prefer. So, in conclusion, now let's go the other way around. So, Dominic, first, anything uh, you'd like to add parting to what Jim thoughts. just said? <laughs> yeah, parting thoughts, so-called. Um, yeah, thank you, Jim, for the, for the, I mean, it's not a story, it's for me the call for everyone, I guess, because everyone is everything, so the story is or at least should be for everyone if or he or she chooses to hear it or to 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 see it like a call um yeah for me that was was really nice discussion or, or conversation or new perspectives that i i got and what i came to first of all about bashar um i like i like the thing of, of bashar which which was also mentioned in the story that he, through his humor and his his kind of um, innocent way of uh, producing or creating a room for every, also for every question, also when when he does this question and answer thing, he he really leaves everyone to his. Um, well, first of all, he doesn't want to um, convince someone of something because he knows every all truths are true. I mean, that's the basis for it. And so, so I, I like Bashar, um, Bashar's way of, to empower people and, um, yeah, and, and also to sometimes to provoke the, the empowerment out of the people, if you know what I mean. Um, for example, if he tells you that, you know it, I mean, he, he doesn't have to tell you something new because everyone knew, knows it. And the second thing is, is that, um, um, through the whole discussion, it, it really, it really is for me. It's only my perspective. It's really becoming comfort and expanding the comfort zone, then leveling up, and then becoming comfort comfortable with this comfort zone, and always having in in mind that you you can focus the next like 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 inter like an interactive movie 
you can focus on your next um, challenge or I don't know how you want to put it. And um, what what what's also uh, one of the key things today for me is that you got to be honest. You got to be honest with your you, with yourself. Strip away the things that you are not, and, and first of all, identify the things you are not or you think you're not. I mean, it's really <laughs> um, yeah a funny thing to think about. That I mean, you you are everything, so you can't really strip away, but. Let's let's put it like that. That doesn't serve your highest, highest excitement. So you gotta become on, honest, and you gotta become more of who you are. And that's love and unity. That's how I would put it. The whole thing. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. Uh, well. Uh... I don't really have any parting thoughts or something, but I just I uh, just really enjoyed this 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 whole thing. It was very very nice high vibe uh, with you guys, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, we'll have something like this in the so-called future again. And uh, yeah, thank you so much to all of you guys was really uh, insightful inspiring also the story uh, that last story that you just read Jim that was really lovely I just lied there and uh, I don't know relaxed and it's kind of it's kind of where I'm at and also um, yeah it's really uplifting to go forward like this as free as possible and uh, yeah Thanks, guys. Uh, walk on. <laughs> Thank you. Heed the call. Olua. Yeah, thank you for the story, Jim. That really hit home, resonates a lot. Um, if I were to say anyone take away anything from this, uh, check out, of course, Lucid Dreaming, but check out Dark Room. Maybe not retreats, but just sit in a really, really dark space for as long as possible and be amazed. Um, related to Bashar, uh, we all can channel. There's so many Sasani counterparts. And, but personally, Daryl's the best. We had Elon, but Andrew Boyka canceled. I don't know why, maybe for personal reasons. But um, it's a bit weird with the copyright thing, but that's the whole human Daryl copy uh was it um capitalist mentality but Bashar himself I mean he's been saying the same message for 30 almost going on to 40 years it's just and it's very simple it's just doing it and yeah once once we do it we get it so thank you for the invite and really enjoyed it for the record there's always torrents guys ask and you shall receive <laughs> I have to honor his. I have to honor what. Yeah, I. I <laughs> Whatever yeah. you believe, said you have to. <laughs> That's a belief. Well, we know, we know that much. Um, yeah. So, uh, Jean. Well, I really liked the story. It was really uh, heart centered. Really, uh, really like the vibe. And uh, yes, thank you for having me here. Actually, it was really an enjoyable experience. And uh, it's really interesting to share uh, those uh, all those perspectives. Well, I would like to thank 
each and every one of you specifically for joining. You all heeded the call in that sense to join here. And, uh, well, of course, you know, to me, there is no coincidences, only synchronicity. Of course, my highest excitement to be participating, obviously. And, uh, yeah, thank you all so much for joining. And also thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Jim, anything else you would like to add? It takes all kinds, guys. What a trip this is. Enjoy the fucking ride. Find the others. There's people on your wave as uh, where you are in your stage of becoming, and you you can find a lot of encouragement through uh, camaraderie and participation at that level. Um, you know, fear of love, like Rafael was saying, just go towards love, and it's going to be more and more inclusive, and at some point you'll have the big aha moment that it was all love always anyway. So it's dope. And, yeah, I guess just, that was my parting thought. I guess if the track is not, is it ready, that one? Yeah, yeah we're going to play Younger Brothers, Psychic, Psychic Gibbon. And right before that, I'm going to have to play just a minute of Bushar for closing. Oh, out. but this of is course. This conclusion statement. We may have played in some other show of the Galactic Energy Channeling, The Legacy in 1988. Uh, especially the Galactic part, still very, very much uh, my favorite channeling ever and basically actually very much mentioning what you just read and even using some of the same vocabulary that's not on the part i'm going to play now but again anyone check out bashar the legacy 1988 galactic energy recounting a quite similar story also reminds me of course of ra law of one the wanderers the lowest canon the waves of volunteers i mean i don't know how many reference points we need and how much intuition to recognize that at least for those who resonate with that kind of story, that just kind of appears to be pretty much what's going on in my, you know, very honest and best assessment I can give. So thanks everyone. Once again, Team Rabbit Hole, life in action. Enjoy yourselves. We extend to you at this time, once again, our deepest and most heartfelt appreciation and love in allowing us to experience you in the way you have created yourself to be and in the way you shall choose to create yourself. And we would remind you that there are many upon your planet with many different beliefs. They are all to be loved. They are all to be cherished, even if they are not what you prefer. Remember, as from the vibration of the galactic, the only thing that stands in the way of your open communication and your ecstatic joy is your willingness to choose ignorance or arrogance. Balance in the center and all things shall flow to you. Radio Pokito.